When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Outfit on, and you running around with a sword, you know, swinging at people. I mean, something is wrong. We start off with two words: made in America. Watch me. understood that as a kid growing up why uh the name of this song was bill o'reilly and not um teenage wasteland not bill o'reilly what's it called again there lewis (laughs) (laughs) thanks for having me on this early i always like to talk about the who close bob o'reilly not bill o'reilly bob o'reilly what does that mean, Bob I, O'Reilly? You know, I never looked up one no, song. It's, no. But all the kids always wanted to get to that wasted line. That's right. what they all thought. Here it is right here. Blast it, Lewis. Okay. Hey, man. It's only teenage wasted. Pretty good band, though. Got to admit that. Roger Goldsby, Pete Townsend, the great John N. Whistle, who died of a cocaine overdose in his 60s. The Who at 604. On your hump day Wednesday morning, this promises to be another Marconi Award-winning program today with some great guests all over the place, everywhere. Laura Curran, she's got a red-hot podcast here, red-hot. I think it's like a third or fourth. I've got the number one, well, of course I do, the number one radio show and the number one podcast. <laughs> uh, right after me, believe it or not, in the podcast division is Justin Ellick and Derek Salas. They do some uh, dopey sports thing, and 
They're that's, actually that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's just a dopey sports What's the name of it again? Guys name. Behind the Glass. Guys Behind the Glass. Yeah. That's a great name for a pod. It's, it's, a, it's a nice name. It's a pretty clever name. Thing. No, no, it should be no. Dopey, dopey Sports dopey Show. Yeah. 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 Sure. But people second, believe it or not. And then I think Laura Curran is third. That's the parenthetical title. Yeah. Her yeah. Bo Deedle, I don't know. But her podcast is Cut to the Chase. And she'll join me coming up at 740 this morning. Then, yes, I've been getting them every single week now. For the better part of two or three months, Congressman Lee Zeldin, fresh off his big rally on Staten Island yesterday and his great performance alongside Ron DeSantis on Sean Hannity's Fox News show last night. Lee Zeldin will join me once again live at 8.05 this morning. Then coming up at 8.40, we'll talk to the great Congressman Peter King. He's always great on a Wednesday morning. And then 9.05, my first cousin out of the great state of Minnesota, he was the mayor of St. Paul for eight years, senator from the state of Minnesota, also ran for governor, lost to Jesse Ventura. My guy Norm Coleman will be here. And then Abraham Hamra, big Jewish organization. And uh, lately between Kanye West and Kyrie Irving and others, anti-Semitism, as Dove Hyken talks quite a bit on the show about, has really been rearing its ugly head. Talking about uh, Kyrie Irving, That is a big story here in New York today and yesterday. If you don't know, you're not a basketball fan, that's fine. This story really transcends sports. You got a guy that's making hundreds of millions of dollars in his career that uh, went out there and publicly just eviscerated the Jews. Put something on his social media account promoting a movie which is all about anti-Semitism. And when reporters here in New York asked him to... You know, I guess defend it. He was basically shut up. Don't dehumanize me, whatever that means. I'm black, and um, don't talk to me. That's how I feel, and leave me alone. And he has really pissed off a lot of people, including black Hall of Fame NBA players that want no part of this guy. I mean, they they went out of their way last night. Two in particular, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. And name called Kyrie Irving. You never see that on television. I do that. Bernie did that. You never see that on television. And both Hall of Famers, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal, had choice words for Kyrie Irving on that uh, pregame show with Ernie That's Johnson. Terrible. There he is. And Kenny Smith, that they have. Is it TBS or TNT, uh, Phil? TNT. Yeah. Every night before these uh, games. So. So the Nets did play last night, just in case you care. They lost. This was hours after they fired their head coach, Steve Nash. Now, look, the Nets have not won at all since Steve Nash has taken over. And the truth is, just based on talent, which means nothing, but based on talent, folks thought this team, at the very least, would win the East, if not multiple NBA championships, and they haven't done it. So... You can fire Steve Nash. I'm okay with that. Not his fault. Not his fault. Clearly, he becomes the hatchet man here. He's taking the blame for the rest of these idiots. But you can fire him. That's fine. And they did. They fired Steve Nash yesterday. They replaced him with Jacques Vaughn. And they went out a couple of hours later at home against the Chicago Bulls. And they got run. And Kyrie Irving had one of the worst games of his career. Four points. That was it. Shot 2 of 12 from the floor. Kevin Durant, another huge issue here in Brooklyn. He put in 32, 
but he turns the ball over just about every possession. So now you got all these future Hall of Famers, these loudmouth haters, they can't win a game. You look at the Eastern Conference standings, it's early, I get it, but right now the worst team in the East is the Orlando Magic. They've only won once and tied with the Detroit Pistons for the second worst record inside the Eastern Conference with just two wins in eight games, your Brooklyn Nets. So they fire Nash, they get blown out again, Kyrie Irving still has nothing to say. For some weird reason, David Silver, who's Jewish, the commissioner of the NBA, Jewish, and Joe Tsai, Chinese, owner of the Brooklyn Nets, no one has suspended Kyrie Irving. At least as of right now, there have been zero repercussions. The only guy that got in trouble for what Kyrie Irving said was the innocent coach, Steve Nash, who got fired. And again... Based on wins and losses, you can fire Nash. No question, the team has been a disappointment. And in every sport, when the team doesn't do well, they fire the coach. Nothing new. But, folks, I'm not stupid. This is all about Kyrie Irving. Somebody had to pay the price. And somehow, it's not Kyrie. Let's go to our NBA expert on the program. You know him out of Hamburg, New Jersey. Now one of the stars of the morning show. It's not where I live. No? I don't live in Hamburg. I don't know where you even got the Hamburg thing from. You, you just went to a spa in Hamburg, and you, I, I said I lived somewhere near there yeah. about 30 minutes, and you just decided I live in Hamburg. Also not from Macedonia. but That is the, the spa that you break into. Uh, yeah, yeah, we went over this. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm breaking and entering multiple times. Multiple times, yeah. A, yeah. yeah. So what, what actual town in New Jersey do you live in, Phil? I live in a town called West Milford. Really? Yes. Isn't that where John Minko lives? That's where John Minko lives. Isn't that where they have the Coach Diner? Which is one of the best salad bars anywhere in New Jersey, right up Route 3 or that, 4, whatever it is. Yeah, that's that's where the Coach Diner is. Yeah. No, I'm lying. Live. I lied about both those things. Yeah. I, I don't know who John Minko he is. He may be a New Milford John Minko. Yeah, he is. New Milford's probably more. You never heard of John Minko? No, I know who John He's Minko the is. greatest sports update man I in sports John talk Minko history. Is. I'm kidding. No, you don't. You have no idea. <laughs> you don't know whether he's lying now or No, I have no that. idea. <laughs> it's a whole gaslight session. <laughs> Phil, give me the, the whole story with the Nets, how you feel about it, your opinion. i got to get to, like, more important stuff, Lee Zeldin and Doesn't Kathy that... Hochul and Donald Trump, but this is a huge story. There's and... nothing more important than basketball. All right, listen, I don't disagree. So give me the whole – give me your, your take on the whole thing. Uh, about, about Kyrie Irving? Oh, my God. The, no, the... Donald Trump. Or Steve Nash. I don't, I'm well, not going to lie to you. Just, the whole thing. There's I a whole thing going listening. on here. Oh, um, Steve Nash, no. he was a two-time MVP, good player, right. not a great coach. Well, you don't have to go into the whole history lesson <laughs> here, Billy. Just give me what happened yesterday, damn it. Well, he, he got, well he, they parted ways. He didn't get fired. They parted ways. He got fired. No, they parted ways. It was mutual. No, he got fired. He got fired. There's, yeah. no, there's no such thing as somebody <laughs> mutually. They got fired. Like Mark Chernoff came to me one time, and he was about to fire me from WFAN, and he said, and I quote, Danielle. We're going to give your husband the opportunity to resign <laughs> yes. so he won't have to you know, suffer the embarrassment of getting fired. But I got fired even though I resigned. Same thing with Don Shula with the Dolphins. Same thing with Tom Landry with the Dallas Cowboys, both, by the way, replaced by Jimmy Johnson. Steve Nash got fired. Yeah, he got fired. Right, thank they, you. They mutually yeah. parted ways. Right. And uh, <laughs> there's no mutual anything. He got fired. Yeah, keep on. We'll move on now, right, please. In the, in the midst of it all, you know, Kyrie's being an anti-Semite, uh, promoting. I think the book or movie, whatever he promoted, also denies the Holocaust. They do. And Amazon, 
need to be taken to task here also. Now, I know I've been promoting my book, Citizens United, on Amazon for the better part of about a year. But uh, they're the ones, Amazon, that is out there selling this book. So while we're killing Kyrie Irving, and deservedly so, at some point, the author and Amazon, all these folks, should be taken to task. Yeah. No? Yeah, and I was, uh, you know, as I always do, I was browsing the, the Christian education book section the on what? Amazon. Yeah. And uh, that book is literally all 10 of the top 10 slots in sales for Christian education. That's, why we, that's what Kyrie Irving says. I'm not promoting the book. I'm not promoting the book. And the book has skyrocketed in sales. So, Kyrie, you dumb bastard, you are promoting the book. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation, Kyrie. I mean, tough he, for who? For for everyone involved, not named Kyrie Irving. Yeah. What do you? Are, are, you're not. You're not defending Kyrie here. No, I think he's. In you're the wrong. not sympathizing with Kyrie here. I think he's in the wrong. I think he should probably be suspended too. Right. Okay. A touch off. It, it, it's <laughs> a profile of courage wow, right there. Macedonia, Phil. <laughs> Real profile of courage. <laughs> We're going to take that hill now. Uh, what Phil. else you have here uh, with this? Anything else? Is that it? Are you done with this? No, I got. I you know I got more. I got it. Six bullets in the chamber right now. I got spinning here right now. We're playing Russian roulette with a loaded gun. All right, we're gonna move from you though to Charles Barkley. Is that okay? I listen. That's a great transition. I feel like we share a lot of things. Right from one Hall of Famer to another, Macedonia Phil to Charles Barkley. Again, last night on the TBS pregame show, who was the the national game last night? It wasn't the Nets and the Bulls, was it? That was the first. Game. It was okay. So Barkley and Shaq and all these guys talked about this situation. And uh, Barkley, in agreement with me and Phil and really everybody else, that the NBA, at the very least, should suspend Kyrie Irving, hating on Jews here in Brooklyn, New York. Here is uh, cut number one of two, Charles Barkley, the Hall of Famer, once again, courtesy of TBS. Lou, play it. I think the NBA dropped the ball. In what way? Uh, I think he should have been suspended. Uh, I think Adam should have suspended him. First of all, Adam's Jewish. You can't take my $40 million and insult my religion. If you're going to insult me, you have the right. But I have the right to say, no, you're not going to take my $40 million and insult my religion. I think the NBA, they made a mistake. We have suspended people and fined people who have made homophobic slurs. Uh, and that, that was the right thing to do. I think if you insult the, uh, the black community, you should be suspended or fined heavily, depending... I saw they did the same thing to the kid in Minnesota this year when he made the gay slur. I think you should get suspended or fine. I think him acknowledging the Alex Jones things should have something should have happened with that too, because that dude's crazy. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, by the way, I called the commissioner David Silver. His name is Adam Silver, and he is Jewish, and he is the NBA commissioner. Here in the second Charles Barkley cut, Lou Rapino, courtesy of TBS, he actually calls Kyrie Irving. A bad name. Do it, Sir Charles. I can't believe that we ain't talking about bad. We're talking about this idiot. Oof. And when you say, when, when you, if, if I say, hey, I'm agreeing with this movie, this book, or whatever, I'm agreeing with it. I, I'm not going to put, I, first of all, you know I don't do any social media, but when you're somebody as great as basketball like him, people going to listen to you what you say. It's, it, it, then you're, and there's some French people out there but like I say, I, I blame the NBA. He should have been suspended. And Shaquille O'Neal, the other Hall of Famer on that panel, used the same exact word to describe 
Kyrie Irving. You, I'm telling you, folks, you very rarely, if ever, hear players. It's a very tight fraternity. Refer to other players with negative words like idiot. Charles Barkley just called Kyrie Irving an idiot. And here comes Shaquille O'Neal. He says the same. This is a Lewis cut number three. I was probably one of the first guys on Twitter. And when I realized the power it had, I knew I had to be very responsible. Followers, platform, whatever you call it, I knew I had to be responsible. I, I try to make people happy. I try to make people smile. My, my formula has always been the same. 60% to make you laugh, 30% to inspire you, and 10% whatever I'm selling, I'm selling. You have to be, have to be aware of what you're doing. And you have to be aware that sometimes when you put stuff out, not everybody's going to like it. Some, some people are conscious, some people are not. I can tell he's not conscious. He doesn't really care what, what's going on. But us, I know that, that, you know, the game that we used to love and we promote, it brings people together. And it hurts me sometimes when we have to sit up here to talk about stuff that divides the game. Now, now we got to answer for what this idiot has done. <laughs> that is two guys in a row, both Hall of Famers, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal, both black, calling Kyrie Irving idiot. Uh, that is great stuff. Thank you, gentlemen. A lot more to do today. We got some great guests again stopping by. Laura Curran coming up at 740. Congressman Lee Zeldin, hopefully Governor Lee Zeldin, a week from today. He'll be here at 805. Congressman Peter King coming up at 840. The Senator Norm Coleman, my first cousin, coming up at 905. The number is always 1 800 848 WABC 1 800 848 9222. You can follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Follow me on Twitter at Sid Rosenberg. Follow me on Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, and on Truth Social at New York Morning Best. Big, big show coming your way today, folks, on the number one Nielsen rated news talk show in New York City and the self proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. I'm Sid, and I'll be back right after this. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
little journey for you at 625 for Hump Day Wednesday morning. Sid coming to you live from the Bernard McGurk studio here at these palatial studios on uh, 3rd Avenue. You know, I'm getting a bunch of people, Lou and Phil, asking me, well, I'm this story right here, but get back to it later, about uh, Kenny Smith. We did play Charles Barkley cuts. Shaquille O'Neal Koch did the former North Carolina Tar Heel star. Kenny Smith said anything last night. He was very down the middle, it seemed. Now, why he would was, you be down the middle? I, I don't know. I think he's he would be a he was diplomatic and I don't I don't know why everybody's afraid of this guy. Everybody's afraid well, of Charles Barkley wasn't afraid. Shaq wasn't afraid. Right. But we're not afraid. But you know, I told Phil a little while ago you were right that players usually don't call out other players. Never. If these guys are not his teammates anymore, though. They don't, they don't They're have, not active players, they right? They don't have anything to do with him. Right. They don't right. have any uh, pushback from Union or other players. True. They now can speak their mind. That's true. And they are respected players, yep. ex-players. Hall but of Famers. God forbid. Where's LeBron James? Oh, Where is please. he? Where is he? No, please. He if if it was another another incident, he'd be if the it was first, a black guy, if it. it was a white guy calling out a black guy, that's LeBron it. James would, would be, be setting the league on fire. That's right, and the guy would be suspended for a month. Oh, for, for, for maybe forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you could talk about the Jews, and you're right. Nothing from LeBron James. Nothing. His teammates, Kevin Durant, nothing. Just nothing. Nothing. For players, your colleagues do not. They. Never say anything. Well, listen, I, I was happy to see. At least these guys did, which was great. They did, right, Barkley and Shaq. But you're right, they're removed from the game. They're no longer active. They don't have to deal with the guys inside the locker room. I used to yell at Bernie about that all the time. He'd be like, why aren't Drew Brees' teammates? i go, burn, burn, burn. You don't get it. you got to work with these guys every day. got to play with these guys every day. You're just not going to do it. You're just not going to do it. Doesn't mean you're, you're a, a wussy. Doesn't mean any of that stuff. They're just not going to do it. So your point is well taken. But I will say this, I'm happy to see the Brooklyn Nets ticket sales are way down. Uh, when I see a person with a yarmulke at a net game, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. But it's the same mentality as my brother-in-law, whose parents survived the Holocaust, and he votes Democrat. I just don't understand it. I don't get it. No, the, the best way to get at them is to show your pr- – no protest – don't go to the don't games. Don't go. Don't buy the stupid don't jerseys. Go. Right. Don't go. They don't care that you're protesting. They don't care that you're holding up signs. They no. don't care. You're in the building. Correct. And you're buying stuff. Correct. That's all they care about. Wearing a Kevin Durant jersey, yes. who's also a scumbag, by the way, oh, Durant. Oh, God. Another uh, oh, piece of garbage. God, please. Oh, you don't go. Don't buy their stuff. Don't watch the games. You see how fast they make a change. Thank That's you very it. much. That's you're it. exactly right. That's it. So the president, Joe Biden, was in. Florida yesterday, Barack Obama was out in Nevada stumping against, I guess, Axelt, and Biden was down in Florida, and there was another mess. I mean, <laughs> he tried to say a bunch of things, and well, it's it, at this point, it's it's not even that much fun anymore because anytime the guy speaks, you know what's going to happen. He's going to lie. And he lied about his son again yesterday, and he's going to have difficulty saying words that you and I say all the time. And that happened not once, but twice yesterday. Now, we are obligated here on this program to play it because just in case you're a liberal or a Democrat, and Election Day is like six days away, and um, you're living in some outer universe, and you just happen to pass by the station, maybe if you hear this president, this feeble, inept, 
dementia-ridden president say some of these things, maybe you will come to the realization that he is the head of a party that has gone completely berserk. And he's a mess. He's a mess. You got Joy Behar, this witch, on The View yesterday, saying crime is down in America, which, by the way, is not true. That's fine. But crime is down in America because of the great work that Joe Biden has done. You believe this? This <laughs> they, they put this on. Her, Whoopi Goldberg, Sonny Hostin, they're on TV every day. She actually said that yesterday. Now you got to play it. This is a cut number 17. She may be the dumbest bastard on television. Joy Behar, cut number 17. I'd like to remind everybody that it was the Democrats, the not the Democrats, who stormed well, the government that day that right? and yeah. tried to kill the vice president. <laughs> right, right. Okay? And the, the Republicans now coming up to the uh, next election, which is next week, by the way, um, they, all they do is talk about crime, crime, crime. Well, I looked it up. Murders in major cities have fallen by 4% so far in 2022, compared with the same period a year ago. So crime is not on the rise. It's actually going down. No, stupid. No, no, no. no, no, I'll see you on the A train. You are so stupid. (laughs) Yeah, murders may be down in some of these cities, but crime, Joy Behar, and Hochul does the same thing. They're all liars. It's not just murder. That's not the only crime people commit every day. There's assault. There's battery. There's rape. All these things, Joy Behar, are crimes. God forbid one of those happens to you and you may wake up from this dementia, this Democrat dementia that you spew so easily every morning. They're all crimes and they're all up, Joy Behar. Anyway, here is uh, Joe Biden down in Florida yesterday. This uh, first cut, he lies again. Once again, his son, Bo, who by all accounts was a very nice man, and I felt badly that he died. He died of cancer, brain tumor, something like that. And uh, everybody liked him. And I felt badly about that. But he did not die in combat in Iraq. And yet his father continues to say it and said it again in Florida yesterday. Another Joe Biden lie. This is Cut Lewis, number seven. And they talk about inflation. You know, we're dealing with it for a whole second. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now. Because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing, I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. Right. And uh, think of Iraq because that's where my son died. Oh, I mean, stop it. Your son did not die in Iraq, Joe Biden. Please stop that. Please stop that. I mean, come on. I mean, the kid was a good kid. The don't, don't, don't do that to him. Don't do that to him. Cut number eight. He starts talking about the Republican Party again. Ain't your old grandpa's party right there. Right, Jack? Watch me. Cut number eight. Well, I've come to Florida today to talk about two very, very, very important programs. Two very important that's going to affect as many Americans as anything else. And a great deal of people in this state are going to be affected. What? And uh, and they're under siege by our Republican friends. Hmm. And by the way, this ain't your father's Republican Party. This is a different yeah. deal right now. Oh, it's now. a different deal, yeah. And uh, hmm. there's a lot of good Republicans out there. Yeah. But they're under a lot of pressure. Hmm. And then, uh, what century, Macedonia, Phil, what century are we in? Oh, my God. You keep getting always to tough questions. I know. Right? It's hard. I know. Hold on. Don't worry. You're not the only one. Who doesn't know what century it is? 
This is your president, folks. Joe Biden, cut number nine. Well, if anybody think if we're doing it for the first time now in the 20th century, 21st century, <laughs> what is that now? From the 20th century going into the second quarter of the 21st century, that we'd say 12 years is enough. Think 12 years is enough? In a, going into 2030, I'm with them. I'm with them. Yeah, you're right there. I'm with them. Yeah. And then, of course, infrastructure is never an easy word to say. I'm the first to admit it. Infrastructure is not an easy word to say. Right, President Biden? Lewis, cut number 11. He promised to have an infrastructure week. For four years, he promised infrastructure. What? (laughs) (laughs) That's the Foster Brooks pronunciation. (laughs) Way to go, Joe Biden. There's your guy, folks. And yet Joy Behar says that's the man that is responsible for less crime, which is not even true, in the United States. I've looked these things up. Now, I looked them up. Now, now, hang on. Now, I, in Wisconsin, for example, um, 32 no. to 36%, it's down. That's, I, <laughs> that's, only in Wisconsin, that's right. Yeah. She's like your right. insane aunt that the wor- comes worse, to the party. Worse. Yeah, she is. She's aye, worse. Aye, aye. Traffic and <laughs> sports are coming up next. Did you make that yourself? That's so <laughs> yummy. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to our dear friend Bo Deedle. He's got a great podcast. It's called True Crime. It's an in-depth look at crimes and the stories behind them. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here Bo talks with a former military guy about Afghanistan. My guest is a former military guy. Because of what we did in Afghanistan, we were there 20-something years, and we just abandoned them. Now we want our NATO partners to support what we want to do. And they look at this, and they said they dropped the Afghans like a hot potato pancake. Why do we want to believe America? Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying, Bo. That's something that we need to rectify. And it's not just the military and the intelligence organizations that need to shoulder that burden and make those repairs. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Pete Morgan, that's the guy. Sports, Peerless Boilers. Check them out, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. Tuesday night, a busy night. Game three of the World Series and the Brooklyn Nets back on the court last night. Here's my guy, Justin Ellick. To tell you all about it. Yeah, no bueno uh, for the Nets there, Sydney. Uh, falling once again in their first game without now former head coach Steve Nash. Zach Levine uh, scored 20 of his 29 points in the fourth quarter for the Chicago Bulls, leading them to a 108-99 to victory in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant, he was fine, uh, to his standards at least, with 32 points and nine rebounds for Brooklyn. But Kyrie Irving was a complete dud on the floor, scoring only four points on two for 12 shooting as he tries to navigate, I guess, himself through this whole little mess he's made. He uh, he missed all six of his three-point attempts on the night. Here was interim uh, head coach Jacques Vaughn on Nash's firing earlier on in the day. I'll say unbelievable person, human being, father, coach, player, uh, friend. Uh, for me to share the locker room with him, uh, we competed against each other on the court, uh, but to be able to compete with him, um, unbelievable human being. 
I mean, Jesus Christ, Doc, he didn't die. That, no, sounds, like, know, that right? sounds like a eulogy. Isn't that like super depressing? Yeah. He's probably happy to be out of that's there, what we to said be honest about, with you. That's what we said about Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Steve Nash is at home like like cracking, <laughs> right. like cracking open champagne. Right. Collecting $3 million yeah. to do nothing yeah. and get away from these Wait, animals. What are we doing here? Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, like condolences to his family. <laughs> yeah. Steve Nash is going to have a memorial service at St. Patrick's Cathedral next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, three game, three games on the ice, three games and three wins on we'll the ice last him. night. Yeah, we'll miss him. We'll miss him. we'll miss him dearly. We'll miss him dearly. Uh, three win, uh, three games, three wins on the ice last night as well. Rangers, um, Rangers uh, and Devils and uh, and the Islanders all win last night. Rangers beat the Flyers one nothing in overtime. Uh, Igor Shesterkin gobbled up 19 saves in route to the shutout victory. Rangers win their third straight before an off day today. They'll be back in action against the Bruins at home tomorrow night. The Islanders bury the Blackhawks by a score of a three to one in Chicago. And as for your first place, New Jersey Devils, they kept their foot on the gas pedal with a 5-2 win in Vancouver over the Canucks. And, of course, Game 3 of the World Series last night, uh, Philadelphia Phillies blowing out the Houston Astros 7-0, five home runs, uh, basically in the first four innings, I believe. So that was an absolute blowout. You got Game 4 tonight in Philly, Aaron Nola going for Philadelphia against uh, Houston's Christian Javier. And here with your bottom of the hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. I want to rock! Burning and Sid in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Judge Janine there talking about Frank Siller. I love Frank Siller. Tunnel to Towers and teaching kids about 9-11. It's, it's ironic. I just had this discussion with my son Gabriel at the dinner table last night. Uh, you guys know I was contacted by the Vietnam Veterans, Vietnam Vets USA, and they are going to bestow a great honor upon me, and that is that at the Veterans Day Parade next Friday, much like the Columbus Day Parade. And I have no idea what people invite me to these things. I don't know why. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just giving you the facts. They're going to put me in a Jeep and make a big deal about me. And I've never served one day anywhere. Never came close. Never even considered joining the service. But I guess the way I talk about the vets and Bernie, too, when he was here, these guys appreciate us. The cops, same thing. Firefighters, same thing. These guys can't do enough for me. So I've got a huge honor coming up at the Veterans Day Parade. And I'm at the dinner table last night with Gabe. And, you know, Gabe, we switched schools. His last school, while good for a couple of years, turned out to be a complete disaster. All he learned about in history was slavery, 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 black, white. So I said to Gabe, I said, hey, buddy, uh, Veterans Day is coming up in about 10 days. You're in a new school. What are you learning in history class? He's 13, eighth grade. And he said, well, much of the same, civil rights. Now, they're not teaching it the same way, not with as much bias as the last school, but civil rights. So I get all crazy, which makes Danielle mad, you know. I'm like, come on already. Veterans Day is coming up in 10 days. Would it kill our educators to teach our children about World War I, about World War II, 
You think our kids even know who bombed Pearl Harbor? They think it's the Germans, to quote the great Belushi from Animal House. They don't even know it's the Japanese. The Korean War, the Vietnam War. What's gone on the last 20-plus years in Afghanistan and Iraq, the Gulf War. These kids, they don't learn about any of that stuff. They spend day after day after day after damn day in these New York City schools learning about civil rights. That movement, great. You know, listen, I'm not saying indigenous people don't deserve their day. What I'm saying is don't take away Columbus Day. I'm not saying kids shouldn't learn about the civil rights movement. What I'm saying is with Veterans Day less than two weeks away, Teach our children about the wars that our country has fought in, above and beyond civil rights. So I got yelled at, and everybody got mad at me, and, well, that's fine. Not gay, but Danielle didn't. I don't care. I don't care. I'm sick of it. I am sick of it. Enough with the black and the white and the black and the white. Enough, enough of people like Kyrie Irving, a black basketball player, allowed to say horrible things or promote, I should say, horrible things about the Jews. A white person says something about a black person, and they should be vilified. They should, but they're canceled forever. It's enough. Enough. I don't walk around every day with a chip on my shoulder. And six million of my people were exterminated at the hands of Adolf Hitler less than 100 years ago, not 400 years ago. Anybody else pissed off out there? Anybody else? Sometimes I feel like I'm on an island. And by the way, these guys that are complaining, they they are compensated to the moon, too. Just like Charles Barkley said, you're not going to take 40 million of my money and insult my religion. Well, the, 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 well, the even, money they get is nauseating. I, but, it is. But above and beyond that, I just think with Veterans Day coming up, that educators should be teaching our kids about the wars. Something other than civil rights. And at least the last two schools, which, by the way, are very expensive, very expensive New York City schools, they spend day after day after day learning about that. And that's ridiculous. And that's why our kids, not mine, but yours, are morons. That's why, whether it's fourth grade math or eighth grade math, we come in last. Our kids have zero historical reference. I mean, zero. Thank God my son is smarter than most and actually reads and cares. And I do sit down with my son and have these conversations some of which piss off my wife, but I don't care. Because my son needs to know about America, not just black America. Or for that matter, white America. So I saw something on Fox News this morning that Republican parents are out of control. Yeah, we are. You know why? We care about what our kids are learning. We care about the curriculum. We care about the country's history. So if that makes me out of control, I'll take it. Because it also makes me father of the year. 1-800-848-WABC. 
92-22. You know, I mentioned Kiki Barber and Ashton Kutcher running the marathon on Sunday. I've got to mention one of my best buddies and a dear friend of the show, Corey Zelnick. He's also running on Sunday, and he's running for ALS, which is, of course, a, a fatal and debilitating disease that his friend is suffering from. So congrats to Corey Zelnick. We'll talk to Corey on Friday before the big day here in New York coming up on Sunday afternoon. We'll take a short break, folks. Great show coming your way. Laura Curran, Lee Zeldin, Peter King, Norm Coleman, and some more surprises along the way. I'm Sid, and this is a Wednesday on Talk Radio 77 WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Do it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Teaching our kids about, oh, I don't know, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Korea, Afghanistan, Iraq, the Gulf War, all these. Hit home, I'm getting blasted with uh, good stuff on all my social media spots. Once again, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, Twitter at Sid Rosenberg, at New York Morning Best on Truth Social, and Sid Rosenberg on Facebook. Thank you for the kind comments. Tomorrow's a big deal here at WABC. Big day, I should say, folks. Join 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation. Comes up tomorrow, November the 3rd, my sister Ray Sherry's birthday. This is year three 
of me doing this with this station. And it's a great day, a great day, a brilliant idea by John and Margot Katsimatidis, of course, pulled off with the help of Chad Lopez. It comes your way tomorrow with special guests and commentary, 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda, back to blue. And that, of course, again, comes your way tomorrow, right here November the 3rd on 77 WABC. All right, next three hours, a lot of big-name guests stopping by. Laura Curran, Lee Zeldin, Peter King, Norm Coleman. A few more surprises. You just never know what's going to happen on this morning show on any given day. We'll come back with hour number two on this Wednesday, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Listen to me, folks, and listen to me very, very carefully. Do not get overconfident about this election coming up. Republicans now are talking about a red wave. I heard McCarthy say it's going to be a history-making election, the minority leader for us in Congress. I've got plenty in the mainstream media, the fake news liberal media, saying Republicans are on a roll. Why would they do that? The only reason they would push that is if they want us to get lackadaisical. If they want the people to stay home because they think it's in the bag. This is not in the bag, folks. Not by a long shot. Not with the election integrity issues we have going on around the country. So here's what I need you to do. Get uncomfortable. Put yourself in a position you're not normally in. That may mean you gotta talk about politics with people you don't normally talk about politics with. That may mean you gotta go hold a sign for a Republican candidate at a polling booth someplace. But here's what we need to do. We need to start getting angry. We need to snarl. We need to have spit dripping out of our mouths, fighting for this election. Don't get overconfident. Here comes the red wave. Act like we're 10 or 12 points behind. Because when it comes to election integrity, we probably are. Don't ever believe the fake news media. We gotta be hungry, we gotta want it. So go out there, get five, get ten people, grab them by the back of the neck, and bring them to the polls. filter. This was uh, used in that movie where Alicia Cuthbert was a high school student and a porn star at the same time. Great movie. Girl Next Door. Yeah, it's a great, great movie. movie. It is. It's hilarious. This is Filter. Wake up my airplane. And that was Grant Stinchfield, one of my favorite TV hosts. He's actually up against Tucker Carlson, so he gets his ass kicked every night. But he's actually a very good talk show host, Newsmax, 8 p.m., 
and he's a workout fiend like me. He's actually bigger than I am. And he's out there running every day, got his military shirt on, he's jogging, he's lifting weights, also like uh, Charlie Gasparino. And he was uh, going for a run, and he taped that little rant, and he's right. You know, do not get complacent, folks. Do not get complacent. Lee Zeldin is going to join me at 8.05. He's going to be the first to tell you that. Go out there and vote. There is nothing, nothing written in stone just yet. We've heard about this red wave for a long time. A long time. But guess what? There is no red wave until there's a red wave. Wow, that is genius. Lewis. I wrote it down. Hang on. What did I say exactly, hey, Phil? What did I say there? I said, Phil, come on. I'm... Hold on. Let me, um, yeah. You said uh, there's no <laughs> wave right. unless there is a red wave. Close. What I said was there is no red wave until... There is a red wave. I don't get it. I don't think you would. No. Yeah. I want straight over my head. Well, what I'm trying to explain, Phil, is that don't be complacent. There is no red wave. Nothing's happened yet. Election day is next week. You get it now? Well, what did I, you go to college of, Phil? I'm just curious. I went to William Patterson University. Yeah, well, it's actually not a bad school. I don't know why you're so stupid. Didn't uh, a lot of famous people go there? He yeah. made it up, too, I'm sure. Yeah. Dick Vital went there. Kyrie Irving went there, I think. Kyrie Irving went there. Yeah. He went to Duke, actually. Believe it or not, he went to Duke. That's a With great Andrew. school for one year, obviously. Him and Andrew played golf together. No, they didn't like each other. Oh, Dick Vitale went to that college. Yeah. Dick Vitale, a couple of days ago, you don't know who he is. He's Mr. College Basketball forever for ESPN. He delivered this, like, tear, teary speech about Tom Brady and Giselle Bundchen. It was really weird. It's not even his... His avenue. He's doing college. He's doing North Carolina, Kansas, and he's talking about Brady and Giselle. Did you see that, Phil? No. It was pretty weird. All right, so Lee Zeldin <laughs> is going to join me at 8.05. Come on, Giselle, baby. Baby. My uh, friend Lynn Hort says if Lee Zeldin wins, the very first person he should thank is you. That's what she said. And by the way, she's not alone. If he wins, I have put this guy on the air so often and it's selfish on my part because, A, he gets big ratings, and, B, we need him to win. I am looking out for the people here in New York. We need him to win. So it's a bit selfish on my part. But he needs to thank me first, and he will. He's a good guy. But he was on with Sean Hannity last night. He was on with Ron DeSantis, too. He had a big rally on Long Island on Saturday, and Ron DeSantis came into town. Then he had a big rally in Westchester on Monday, and Glenn Youngkin out of Virginia, that governor, he came into town. So some of the more high-profile Republican governors over the last couple of days, about a week out from Election Day, are gearing up and teaming up with Lee Zeldin to get him a win. So we've got some of the audio from last night, once again, courtesy of my friend Sean Hannity and Fox News. This is DeSantis with Sean Hannity. As uh, It's actually a pretty lighthearted exchange. It's pretty funny about people leaving New York and going to Florida. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Sean Hannity, once again last night, courtesy of Fox News. This is cut number 23. By the way, before I get to Lee Zeldin, Governor DeSantis, um, I got to tell you, you might be hurting your great state of Florida because a lot of the migration 
to Florida is coming from New York. And if Lee Zeldin did a good job as governor, um, I'm thinking that might keep people in New York, and that's going to be bad for the people of Florida. That's less income for your state. Are you sure you really want to support this guy? Well, Sean, you know, I've had so many people move from New York, and just they are so frustrated with the poor governance up there. And look, Florida's great. You know, we're a great spot for a lot of people. But I want all our states to do well. And the fact of the matter is, from crime to fiscal mismanagement uh, to COVID restrictions, New York has gotten it wrong. Lee Zeldin will get it right. And I think that that'll be better for our country if he's elected governor. Now, sitting right next to Ron DeSantis on that TV set was the aforementioned congressman, next governor here in New York, Lee Zeldin. And he said to Sean and Ron, once again, courtesy of Fox News, get ready on Tuesday. I'm going to shock the world. This is cut number 24, Lewis. Here you are now on the precipice. You're leading in this poll. It's a very tight race. It's the bluest of blue states. Will you shock the entire country one week from tonight? We, we definitely will, Sean. And we're here right now on Staten Island. Great crowds here. It was on 24 hours notice. We had... Over 7,000 RSVPs. Uh, it was amazing. We're gr so grateful that Governor DeSantis had come up. The support that we're getting around the state, we have all the momentum on our side, all the energy on our side. We have the issues on our side. People are done with Kathy Hochul, and this is Republicans, Democrats, and Independents all together as, as New Yorkers to be able to save this state. So I remember that conversation with you early on in this campaign. We stuck with the issues. We want secure streets. We want to make life in New York more affordable. We want to protect freedom. We want to improve the quality of our kids' education. And because we've stayed disciplined, focused on the issues... And, and Kathy Hochul's been trying to, you know, follow distractions and tell people there's nothing to see here. There's no crime going on. Uh, when I'm trying to talk about locking up criminals, she's saying, I don't understand why this is so important to you. As you pointed out from last week's debate, we feel it. We just got to keep working hard. Everyone out there needs to get out and vote, vote, vote. So crime, of course, is the major issue. So Hillary Clinton is back in the news, and I guess she was on MSNBC yesterday, and people like Dick Morris still think she's going to run. I don't think she is, but there is still a healthy amount of folks that still think she's going to run in 2024, and she's out there on MSNBC talking about, well, if crime is such a big deal, what about Paul Pelosi? God, I'm sick of this one, too. This is a cut number 15, Lou. This uh, midterm election, we've seen a lot of ads by Republicans running for everything, uh, touting crime. Crime is the issue. But when an 82-year-old man is attacked by an intruder in his own home, they don't seem to be too bothered by that. Not true. Because that person is married to the Speaker of Not the true. House, who's of a different political party. It's a lie. I just want your viewers, and really I would like every American, <laughs> just to stop and think about that. It's a lie. This is the kind of violent rhetoric that leads to violent action mm. that props up authoritarians and that's unfortunately no. uh, what we see the republican party today mm. uh supporting lion wench not true at all every, every republican that has been on this show every piece of audio we play has all of them condemning the attack on paul pelosi including me hillary clinton no one is okay with it. Republicans are not okay with it. On the other hand, you guys were completely okay with an armed gunman showing up outside the house of Brett Kavanaugh. Completely okay.
You said nothing, nothing despite Mika's contention after Steve Scalise was shot on a baseball field by a Bernie Sanders supporter. You're the ones, you're the ones, Hillary, not us, who say nothing and don't care. Oh, uh, even yesterday, who was it, uh, Kathy Hochul? It would be nice if Donald Trump came out and said, well, he did. Donald Trump, right away, just like after the George Floyd murder, said what happened to Paul Pelosi was terrible. But, but, there's more about this story than Hillary Clinton or Mika or Kamala Harris or Joy Behar, any one of these awful women want you to believe. Trump was on yesterday with radio host Chris Stegall, and he made a point to talk about this Paul Pelosi attack. We've got all the audio. Lewis, this is Donald Trump, cut number 12, talking about what happened there. Yeah, well, it would, yeah, yeah. I, I think in time we're going to learn more if, in fact, there's uh, a curious I, I think I think this is the beginning. It's It looks, but it's a sad situation, very sad, actually. He did say sad situation, very sad, actually. He said yesterday what happened to Paul Pelosi was terrible, but sometimes there's just more to the story. Here's Trump, cut number 13. How do you read what's happened in the Pelosi household in San Francisco over the weekend? Well... It's uh, weird things going on in that household in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, probably you and I are better not talking about it. Cause, <laughs> but the glass, it seems, was broken from the inside to the out. And, you know, that was so it wasn't a break in. It was a breakout. I don't know. You know, you hear the same things I do. One more for Donald Trump. Lewis, this is cut number 14. 9-11 tape seems to suggest that uh, they that he knew the identity of the guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of bad stuff. I'm not a fan of Nancy Pelosi, but what's going on there is very sad. Very yeah, I sad. just it seems to me there would be security evidence of this. There just seems to be more to this story. Would, would it be yep. safe to say? This is, I think, more than the traffic accident, it looks like to me. I <laughs> but but depending on Republicans or that. you, sir, I mean, how absurd. Clearly, this was a deranged man. We know that much. Yeah, it's the whole thing is crazy. I mean, if there's even a little bit of truth to what's being said, it's crazy. But it, it the window was broken in, and it was strange that the cops were the you know standing there practically from from the moment it all took place. So I don't know. You're gonna have to explain that to your audience. You're gonna have to explain <laughs> it to everybody, including me, because that one's figuring out Russia and figuring out uh, China is much easier. Now, look, I'm not into conspiracy theories. For me, it was a crazy guy who went after Nancy Pelosi's husband. I condemn it, and that's the end of it. I'm not getting into, well, it was a homosexual lover and all this nonsense I've heard the last couple of days. I'm not doing it. You guys do that on, on my Instagram. You send me these wacky stories from these you know weird websites. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to condemn it for what it was. An 82-year-old man got beat up. By, I think, a stranger, sorry, Donald Trump, and it's no good. But, but again, even with what Trump was saying there with Stagall, he is on record more than once, more than once, saying what happened to Paul Pelosi was terrible. So, Hillary Clinton, when you say Republicans don't care, who are you talking about? Who said they didn't care? Did Ted Cruz say, good for Paul Pelosi? Did Sean Hannity start his show last night and say, hey, this is good news. Paul Pelosi got his ass kicked last night. What Republican Hillary Clinton are you talking about? 
Because everyone that I speak to, everyone, and every piece of audio I play from the top Republicans across the country all say the same thing. Man, I was terrible. But Hillary, you do your thing, lady. You do your thing. You've been lying since the day you married Bill. He lies more. I just like him more. I don't know why I like him more. He's a pervert. But um, I like him more. He's got some redeeming qualities. But uh, you've got none. I mean zero. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Bill O'Reilly's morning message. And Laura Curran. 8 o'clock hour. How about this? Lee Zeldin. Lydia Reports. And Peter King. And my first cousin, Norm Coleman, in the 9 o'clock hour as well. Keep it right here. Sit with you on a Wednesday on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, here's my question. Where is Kamala? Only six more days until the vote, and she is MIA. Don't know of any Democrats who have requested her presence on the campaign trail. President Biden has done a small amount of campaigning, although not last weekend when he holed up in Delaware. Jill, however, was out stumping. So what does this tell us? Well, how about the president and vice president are not very popular, even in their own party? I believe that's it. Will that matter on November 8th? Not sure. But there's no question the Dems are in trouble. I mean, how could they not be? In just two years' time, the USA has gone from prosperity to 10% inflation. And we are all feeling that. Now, I hope the Democrats are wiped out in the midterms. And I think that will happen. And the reason for my hope is not ideological. It's that we need problem solving desperately in this country. Joe Biden has no solutions. Give me one thing that he solved, one problem, in his almost two years in office. It's not about what he believes or doesn't believe. He simply cannot do the job. And the country is paying a horrendous price for that. Are the Republicans going to be better? Who knows? That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Lights the night will make history. As sure as dogs can fly. I'll take any risk to tie back the hands of time and stay with you here tonight. 
I was talking up Grant Stinchfield earlier. Played uh, the uh, the little rant he had there while running about don't be complacent if you're a Republican. The red wave hasn't come yet. And I said, hey, the guy does a great show, 8 o'clock on Newsmax, but he gets his ass kicked by Tucker Carlson. I was right about that. On most nights, Tucker Carlson gets about 3 million viewers on Fox News, and Grant got about 300,000, literally 10% of the viewership that Tucker Carlson got. What I did not know, though, was he go, as Hawk Harrelson would say in Chicago. Grant Stinfield is no longer at Newsmax. When did, uh, when did this happen, uh, Phil? Um, like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yeah. I thought it coincided when they brought in, uh, what's her name, um, Greta Van Susteren. No? I don't know. He got replaced by someone, but... um, Well, there was a reason why he got replaced, and it goes back to what I was just talking about, the whole Tucker Carlson thing. So we've got about a minute audio from Grant, who was often a guest with me and Bernard, me and Bernie like Grant Stinchfield, as to why he's no longer at Newsmax. Here's what he had to say. Cut 27. Why would they cancel me? Why would they cancel Stinchfield? To this day, I don't really have a reason. They told me that I didn't make inroads, uh, ratings inroads, that is, against Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson's doing 3 million people a night. We were doing 300,000. To me, actually, that's great inroads against a beast. I mean, Tucker Carlson is probably the best conservative talker on cable tv there is out there right now and we were making strides against him but newsmax was not happy we weren't making enough strides against him so what did newsmax want me to do to make those strides well if you can believe it they wanted me to go after tucker carlson to attack him and i had a real hard time with this because to me tucker carlson i would say is number two to president trump as the leader of the Republican Party. Wow. Number two to President Trump. According to Johnny Tobacco, who's still on Newsmax, been on his show a couple of times, wise guys. This happened six months ago, not two weeks ago. <laughs> we're all over it, folks. Wow. We're... <laughs> yeah. but, well, that's when they hired Greta Van Susteren, like yeah. five or six months ago. So, anyway, Listen, Grant's gone. I'm tens of thousands of dollars in <laughs> yeah. debt with, for my yeah. journalism degree, and I'm glad I can put it to good use by literally Googling his yeah, name. that's fine. How about that, though? His contention, Tucker Carlson, number two. And I agree with him. Tucker Carlson is far and away. And I mean no disrespect to my friend Sean Hannity, who's had great success. Tucker Carlson is far and away the best on TV. Much like me on radio. There is no close second. There really isn't. Same thing with Tucker on TV. I wouldn't even know who is second. Maybe Sean. Maybe Sean I don't know. I mean, I love Sean. Sean's a big deal. Trump loves him. Big deal. But, you know, Sean's like that soap opera. You don't watch it for 20 years. Then you put it on and you haven't missed anything. That's Sean. Same thing. Same guest. Same conversation every night. And I don't like predictability. I hate it. So so are the days of our lives. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, who else? Al Sharpton. Yeah, he's one of the best. I forgot about him. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. John Berman. Allison Camarota. Joy Reid, Chris Cuomo. I mean, there's more garbage on TV than radio. It's close, but I think there's more garbage on TV. So he's right about Tucker Carlson. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
I sent this uh, tweet out last night at Sid Rosenberg. One week from today, folks, if you love this state and our country, you will not hesitate to vote for Lee Zeldin, who will join me here in about 20 minutes, coming up at 8.05. Tom Sullivan for Assembly in uh, Queens. Love Tom Sullivan. Tina Forte out of Long Island. She'll be here tomorrow. Joe Pinion. He was here on Monday with me and Andrew Giuliani. He's up against uh, that louse Chuck Schumer. Anthony Desposito out on Long Island. Michael Henry, he was on this show yesterday, running against Letitia James. Nick LaLota, he was on this show yesterday, taking over that seat that Lee Zeldin has vacated. Nicole Maliotakis, got to beat that uh, louse Max Rose out on Staten Island. Cara Castronova, Mark Molinaro, and a host of others. Do the right thing. Vote Republican on Tuesday. You just have to. It is. People go, oh, it's not about Republicans. Yes, it is. It is. There is one side that clearly has dangerous policies. That's Democrats. So it is about Republicans and Democrats. It sounds nice to say, no, it's not. It is. Anyway, my next guest was the Nassau County executive and a darn good one. Now, Bruce Blakeman has that position now, and I love Bruce, and Bruce is doing a great job. But Laura Curran... May have won again, if not for Todd Kaminsky. At least we believe that. Now she's a media superstar. Her podcast, Cut to the Chase, here on the Red Apple Podcast Network, does big, big, big numbers. And it is great. So here she is, my friend Laura Curran. Good morning, Laura. Hey, good morning. So I heard your long list of Republicans. I feel honored as a Democrat that you're asking me to come and talk to you today. I do that once in a while because, you know, John Katsimatidis, uh, our friend and, and boss, he's always talking about common sense politicians. And, and, yeah. and I don't want to argue with John because he's like my dad. I love him. But I have not come across many common sense Democrats. I'm sorry. I just haven't. I thought maybe... The guy from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, was one of those. I was wrong. David Patterson once in a while. But then he says Zeldin wasn't good last week against Hochul. That's ridiculous. I haven't come across many, but I will say this. If there is one, it's you. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's so interesting watching what's going on in politics right now. And it's, it, it, is, it is a tough, tough year. For Democrats. And I have to say, I'm happy that I'm not running for anything. I'm having fun with the podcast and all the other stuff that I'm doing. And I'm watching this, you know, and it's easy to comment on this from the cheap seats. Uh, but I'm watching this and I'm seeing there was this really interesting Wall Street Journal poll that had, you know, Democrats, this is nationally now, generally kind of ahead, about three points ahead, just the mood of the country favoring Democrats. That was in August. A few months later, fast forward, now Democrats are two, point be- two points behind. There's this momentum that is happening with the Republican Party, uh, and we're seeing it here in New York, which is really shocking because you think about the candidacy of Kathy Hochul. Now, I, have, I, I like – I have to be very clear with you. I like Kathy Hochul. I know her personally a little bit, and I do have a lot of empathy for her because the first day she became governor was the first day she was a candidate to – you know, to become the governor through the election. That is not easy. Running a huge state, having to deal with all of the politics, all of the issues, it's insanity and it's very hard. I do feel, however, that her ca- her campaign has not served her well. Uh, the fact that she had a 24-point lead and is now, you know, either a six-point lead or a one-point deficit, depending on what poll you're looking at, tells me that, 
the campaign has not served her well. The messaging around crime has been really painful to watch, especially, you know, I was very much a law and order kind of person. I understand the importance of public safety. And you also have to understand being in tune, excuse me, in tune with where people are, with what they're thinking, with what they're concerned about, with what they're anxious about, and not putting it down or trying to sort of argue it, but acknowledging it and then saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do to solve this problem. Well, you just nailed it. The crime thing is where she's getting killed. I hate to, there it is, uh, crime killed. But, uh, you know, when she tells people that it's a perception, Eric Adams does the same thing, the mayor. It's a perception. It's in your head. It's not as bad as you think. And then, of course, every day, every day, the first seven pages, Laura, of the New York Post, the first four headlines with Deb Valentine, we're talking about violent crimes. You know, she keeps talking about murders and guns. Kathy, what about rape? What about assault? What about battery? All these other very serious crimes that she just discounts because it doesn't fit her narrative. So you may like her. I don't like her. And I think she's doing a huge disservice to the people here in New York. And she's lying. Every day she's lying. She deserves to lose. That's the bottom line. Now, but you got to look at the at just the reality of it. It's a two to one advantage for Democrats I know. in New York State. Yeah. And a growing number of independents, by the way. A lot of people I speak to are like either dropping out of their party or registering to be independent because they don't want anything to do with either of them. Uh, and you will have people who are passionate, who don't like Trump, who are passionate about abortion, who are passionate about guns. They will come out. But there's a big. Oh, oh, hold on. Hold on a second. You just said, hold on, hold on, hold on. You just said don't like Trump. OK. And I went on a whole yeah. rant about this yesterday, Laura. Donald Trump is not running. Donald Trump hasn't been in office for nearly two years. Oh, no, I know. Lee Zeldin doesn't have dinner with Donald Trump every night. Why does Donald Trump's name even come up in this gubernatorial race in New York? Why? Because because it's a way to get people passionate about something. Because the Democrats have nothing else. Because they've got nothing else. Nothing else. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but my point is there are these these issues that will get people out to vote who are passionate, you know, passionate about these issues. But there's a great swath of people who aren't motivated and aren't passionate. And as you say, Trump is, hasn't been the president for a while. He doesn't even live in New York anymore. They don't really care that much. They're not thinking about him very much. They're not necessarily going to be motivated by that. Same with abortion. Abortion is a big issue for a lot of people, but it's about number five now in the state in terms of a motivating issue. So you got to talk to the people where they are and what they're passionate about. And as we've been talking about, as everyone's been talking about, it's crime, it's inflation, it's the price of gas, it's the economy. And it's this overall sense of are these people, do they get who we are and do they have a plan to take care of our issues? That's going to be the motivating factor. And the motivation right now feels to me, and I, you know, I talked to a lot of people on Long Island, that Nassau's very much can go, can go either way. We're very purple here. I'm feeling a lot of enthusiasm. I'm hearing a lot of enthusiasm for the Republicans. I'm not. I'm hearing a lot of anxiety and apathy on the side of the Democrats. And that's a really strange place to be in New York State and even in Nassau County among the Democrats here. Very honest. Laura Curran here on uh, the show this morning. Well, let me uh, uh, put this scenario out there for you, Laura. Let's say with all you just said, and you're being honest, right? Crime's an issue. Abortion's not an issue. It's legal here. Lee Zeldin is not going to change that. So running on abortion. Again, it's emotion. It's not necessarily the fact. I know. Using data denier. Okay, the fact is, yes, it's not going to change. Very likely not going to change. But people are emotional about it. I I understand. Campaign exploits that emotion. We always say Democrats are about emotion. 
Republicans were about facts. And sometimes emotion is enough to win. But when emotion is the motivation and you do win, that means bad news for the people in that city, in that state. So if emotion wins on Tuesday and Hochul stays in office, even after what you just put out there, how disappointing would that be for people in New York who want safety, take the train, go to work, better education, all these things that make life better. She's not talking about any of it, and she may win based on emotion. How disappointing is that? Well, my my problem is that people aren't that emotional about those issues, at least the, gr- the great number of voters. So you could have – I mean, look at the fact that her campaign is now engaging with the very progressive Working Families Party and other progressive groups to get out the vote. Because they're afraid people aren't going to vote. The, you know, they're, they're, they're having rallies with uh, minority communities. And you look at the Hispanic community. You look at the Asian community. You look at the Orthodox Jewish community. Any one of these communities could make a difference in a close race like this. And imagine the power that will come to those communities if they do sway an election. You know, we're seeing nationally the Hispanic enthusiasm for Democrats is shrinking from, from, from you know, there's a margin of uh, double digits now to single digits. Asian community, we're seeing the same thing. I just talked about that in my latest podcast. So these communities kind of, which I think Democrats have taken for granted for many years, are starting to think, hmm, I'm not sure if I'm really in line with these folks on their issues. I might take a look at the Democrats. That's a really interesting shift that's happening as well. And that's a lesson to me. You should never mm. take any voting group or any voter for granted. you gotta, you got to prove it every single day that you are there for them on their issues. Laura Curran, again, check out her podcast. It's Terrific Cut to the Chase, one of the more popular podcasts we've got on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know why. She's really terrific. What about those uh, local races, Laura, Nassau County, Suffolk County? Which ones are you paying very close attention to? Well, I'm watching the state Senate, uh, and we have several. We have quite a few. Of our, of our nine, we have a lot of Democrats right now. I'm concerned that we're going to lose uh, a lot of them. Some are saying of the nine, we might just keep two. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how the enthusiasm is. And honestly, right now, it's all about getting out the vote. If people don't vote, you know, they get the government they deserve. So I encourage anyone. I don't, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I actually don't care who you vote for. I trust people to vote for who they think is the best person. But the more you vote, the more accountability you have. But I'm, I'm, I think and I'm hearing whispers that a lot of the, uh, the down ballot folks are worried about the Hochul effect. And, of course, let's not forget the Biden effect. That's going to you know, that people don't necessarily know the nitty gritty of the local scene, but they go with what they see at the top. And what they see at the top with Biden is not inspiring a lot of confidence. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm not breaking news when I say that. <laughs> yeah. right well, not just Biden, but as Bill O'Reilly pointed out about 30 minutes ago, where's the vice president? Where's Kamala Harris? Six days away from these huge midterm elections, Democrats are, are dying to hold on to the House. They won't. And the Senate, they may not. Where the hell is Kamala Harris? You know, we've got Obama. Thank God we've got Obama, someone with some charisma and some sense. Uh, I, maybe they're keeping her under wraps because they don't think she's they think she's a liability, you know, which she could be. Oh, come on. You know, she is. Stop that. Maybe she is. She's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. And Obama was in Nevada yesterday. That's right. He, he's still the guy. He's still calling most of the shots. I mean, you got Joe Biden down in Florida yesterday, Laura. He doesn't know what century yeah. it is. He keeps talking about his son being killed in Iraq. God rest Bo's soul. Like he was not killed in not- Iraq. He's talking about 54 I states. Know. I mean, this is pathetic, Laura. 
And they're not putting him in swing states because it, they don't want to take the chance. Well, I don't blame them. All right. Well, listen, the, uh, the election, again, is only six days away. So um, yeah. I need your prediction, not who you want to win, not what you want to see. But if you and I talk again a week from today, next Wednesday, the day after Election Day, Laura Curran, who's going to be yes. the governor here in New York? I am predicting that Hochul wins by five. Yeah. I did see a poll this morning. She, I guess Emerson. She was up by six or seven. One other poll had Lee Zeldin actually winning. And most of the folks who follow this closely are giving Lee a chance. But they still think, like you just said, Kathy's going to win. So you think Hochul by five? I think mathematically, yes. However, however, I've been wrong before. It's all about enthusiasm. And, you know, if, if this is important to you, you got to vote either way. Now, what days uh, does Cut to the Chase come out here on the uh, the podcast network? Monday afternoon. It's a half hour. I try to keep it pretty short because I don't want to, you know, be, I don't want to get boring. Right. Um, we talk to local officials. I talk to everyone uh, about anything, a lot of uh, politics, current events. Um, I'm hoping to get a shrink on actually for the next for the one the day before Election Day to talk about the emotional temperature of the country and how crazy everything is and what we can do about it. I love that. Well, that's a great day to be on just a few hours before the big day coming up on Monday. Again, Laura, congratulations on Cut to the Chase. Love to have you spend more time on this program. You know, I think you're great. So thank you so much for today and uh, enjoy this beautiful Wednesday in New York City. Thanks, Sid. Keep kicking it. You're doing great. Uh, Thank you. There she is, folks, former Nassau County executive once again, the host of one of the most popular podcasts on the Red Apple Podcast Network, Cut to the Chase. That's my friend Laura Curran. We will take a very short break when we get back. We've got an action-packed 8 o'clock hour, including Lee Zeldin coming up next, as well as Lydia Reports and the great congressman out of Long Island, who she knows very well, Laura, Peter King. Zeldin... Saranai and King coming up next hour right here on the number one Nielsen weighted news talk show in New York City. That's me on Talk Radio 77 WABC. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. These are master manipulators. They have this conspiracy going all across America to try and convince people that in democratic states they're not as safe. Well, guess what? They're also not only election deniers, they're data deniers. The data shows that shootings and murders are down in our state by 15 percent, even in New York City, down 20 percent on Long Island, where Lee Zeldin comes from. Yeah, that's your governor, Kathy Hochul, mentioning my friend Lee Zeldin. I kind of feel like Will Smith of the Academy Awards. Keep my friend's name out of your mouth. I don't even want to hear her say Lee Zeldin's name. So she should take a look, uh, Kathy Hochul, after those lying comments on Al Sharpton's show. At the cover of today's New York Post, new bail outrage, mother of woman killed by monster X blast governor. Hoko failed Kira, and there's a picture of a lovely young girl, African-American, who was murdered by her boyfriend. Another mark, another blemish on the record 
of Kathy Hochul. With that said, here he is, fresh off a thousand rallies and the Sean Hannity show last night. My friend and the next governor here in New York, Lee Zeldin. Uh, Lee, good morning, pal. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sid. Doing great. Uh, you are doing great. Hannity, great last night. Staten Island, great yesterday. Westchester, great Monday. Saturday, great. DeSantis in town. Yunkin in town. I mean, it's got to feel really good, Lee, to have all these high-profile governors from around the country come to this city, this state, and say, we want Lee Zeldin to win that race. It has to feel really good, yes? Well, we have all the momentum. We have all the energy. We have the issues on our side. The turnout at our rallies has been fantastic i mean people are coming out strong that uh, of saturday night rally that we started uh planning i guess about a day prior it was the morning before ended up with over seven thousand rsvps we only started planning it the morning before uh the the turnout all across the state and we're gonna be hitting it hard i know this weekend we have nine rallies we have rallies today tomorrow uh, and we just need everyone to show up this is this race couldn't possibly be any closer. You know, forget about everyone else's polls telling you, you know, whatever they're trying to, to spin. I saw, you know, sometimes they'll try to, you know, say that, uh, you know, we're down outside the margin of error. Give me a break, okay? <laughs> and you, you said you have your finger on the pulse. You've been talking to people. Your listeners know what reality is on the ground. I mean, the Trafalgar poll a couple mornings ago that came out yesterday morning was making news that had us up one. The race couldn't possibly be any closer. So over the next six days, we need everyone who's listening to tell everyone you know. You're waking up. It's just after 8 a.m. in the morning. You have many hours in in a long day today. Uh, Tell everyone, go out and you could do in-person early voting. But make sure straight through the polls closing at 9 p.m. on election night, we are doing everything in our power. It's a game of inches. And what you don't want to have happen is that the the results are are coming in after 9 o'clock on Tuesday, and you end up coming up just short, and then mm. we all are saying, oh, I wish we tried just a little bit harder. No, we're we're going to campaign to the absolute max, running laps around Kathy Hochul. She deserves to get fired. We have to save the state. We know how to do it. Great advice. In fact, I was drafted by Andrew Giuliani to do a bunch of stuff for you coming up on Saturday, which I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, you heard those Kathy Hochul remarks with Al Sharpton over the weekend on MSNBC. Murders down, shootings down. Basically, this whole crime thing is in your head. This is a fear tactic that Lee Zeldin and Republicans are using to make sure they get your vote. Is she kidding me? I mean, really? This comes across as somebody who's not going to fix it. I mean, if she's not even going to acknowledge that there's an issue with crime, how can anyone out there expect her to solve this? What we want to hear is this is what's wrong. This is, you know, and I understand why you're concerned about it. These are my solutions to fix it. I'm going to do absolutely everything in my power with zero tolerance to make sure that we're ending it and we're taking back our streets. We're getting the opposite of it. Instead, we're getting lectured by Kathy Hochul as if we're just supposed to look away. There's nothing to see here. And at the debate last week, when I was talking about how question after question after question about crime, she still hadn't spoken about the whole lock up criminals aspect of criminal justice. And she says that she doesn't understand why this is so important to me. And when she says she doesn't understand why this is so important to me, she's saying she doesn't understand why this is so important to everyone. And then she goes on MSNBC this past weekend, and she's saying that this is just some conspiracy theory. Meanwhile, if you look year after year, 
there are all sorts of different categories of major crimes on our streets and their subways that have skyrocketed since last year. And she wants to make believe like none of that is happening. The videos you see with your eyes, that's not real. The pictures, the stories, the stories from family, from friends who are telling you what they might have personally went through. Maybe someone out there actually experienced something themselves. And the, the, what she has decided, this is her political calculation, she is just going to try to convince us that everything is just <laughs> fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lady that spends a lot of time in Buffalo and not here in New York City where I am every day. And she's just lying. That's the bottom line. You know, I saw uh, some Assemblywoman Lee in Manhattan on Sunday, some lady, I don't know. And uh, somebody said to her, look, clearly the enthusiasm is on Zeldin's side. And she said, whoa, 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 slow down. She goes, women in this state are very excited that Hochul has a chance to be the first female, man, I'm sick of this, first female elected to the governor position. And let me tell you something, folks. We care about our bodies. We care about abortion. So there it was again, running on, A, the fact that she's a female and abortion, which you're not going to change. That's all I hear, Lee. That's it. Yeah, and this is a big strategic mistake by Kathy Hochul to ignore the issues that New Yorkers have said are the most important issues to them. And what we hear the most is that New Yorkers are talking about crime-related issues and economic-related issues. Of course, Kathy Hochul is not going to want to talk about her pay-to-play corruption. She's not going to talk about her COVID mandates and her lockdown policies uh, that she supported inside of schools. She doesn't want to talk about the state standardized test scores that came out last week that shows compared to the national average in other states that spend a heck of a lot less per pupil than we do. She's ignoring all of these other issues and thinking that she's just going to be able to distract to focusing on, you know, the former president. She's going to just distract to make it seem like I get elected and the on New York changes. The reality is that a few years ago, New York codified far more than Roe. We woke up the day after Dobbs. The law in New York was exactly the same as it was the day before, and I'm not going to change it. Now, she can't move on because she's decided that she is just going to hold to the lie, and and that's her way of just getting everybody else to just not focus yeah. on what is their breaking point in the state, the reason why they're thinking about leaving, the reason why New York is heading in the wrong direction, and why the state leads the entire country in population loss. She doesn't want to talk about any of it. Yeah. Well, you just nailed it. But I think we're third now. I think that uh, San Francisco and uh, one other city has moved ahead of us. But we are top three in terms of people moving. And that's the point right there. Hey, Kathy, sweetheart, if things are so great here, if crime is just our imagination, if the economy is doing great because you built it, if jobs are doing well, if Binghamton and Syracuse and Rochester are on the improve, why why are people running out of this state to move to places like Vegas and Miami and other parts of California every single day? I mean, how can she possibly make an argument for that, Lee? How? I mean, she's patting herself on the back. And if this is the best that she can do, I mean, she's exposing herself in a whole other way. And by the way, when you refuse to talk about the issues that matter most to New Yorkers, then it only makes them more frustrated that your priorities are are out of whack, that you don't understand what people are most concerned about. 
you're not focused on what New Yorkers are most concerned about. And you can't expect things to get better. If Kathy Oakle has four more years and you have one party rule up in Albany, we can't magically think that all of a sudden things are just going to start getting better. I mean, and if anyone out there wants to make the argument that since Kathy Hochul has taken over as governor in August of 2021, that somehow things have miraculously gotten better, not worse, <laughs> then, hey, listen, maybe maybe she's your candidate. But I'll tell you what, every single person I speak to in the state, they, if you pose them that question, they'll tell you that things have gotten worse in New York, yeah. not better since yeah. she took over. And you could say the same thing about Joe Biden, her, you know, her, her man, her guy. The country has gotten worse under Joe Biden. New York has gotten worse under Kathy Hochul. Those are Democrats. That is not a, uh, a coincidence. By the way, this whole denier thing, Lee, now you've been categorized by Kathy Hochul as an election denier. You're a data denier. This whole denier thing is a new thing that's come about the last couple of weeks. More nonsense. Sounds good. Great. You got a word. But neither one of those are true when it comes to you. Neither one. Yeah, listen, I, I mean, the, the data speaks for itself. She's trying to call it some grand conspiracy that we're concerned about crime uh, and that the data doesn't hold up. But meanwhile, you have all different categories of crime that have gone up 30, 40 plus percent across New York City. And people don't want to be lectured to. And we were we went through this in the 80s and we were being told by elected officials that this was a perception, there is nothing to see here. And it wasn't until the early 90s that New Yorkers of all walks of life, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, united as New Yorkers to save New York City in 1993 and to save New York State in 1994. And as I said last night when when I was in Staten Island and and Rudy was there, he gave a a great speech, and Andrew was there, and we had the statewide candidates and and our, our local candidates I, and, you know, with all due respect to Prince and you know, apologies in advance, but I think that New York is ready to party like it's 1993 <laughs> and 1994. On I love it. I love, and that's exactly what you did uh, Monday, I guess, in Westchester when you brought back George Pataki. It's been 16 years since a Republican has won that seat, which you're about to win on Tuesday. That was a great rally with Pataki and Youngkin uh, just a couple of days ago. On the way out, Lee, you said all along it's very simple. If you get 30 to 35 percent of the city in New York, you're going to win this race. What are you hearing lately about the numbers there? So if we get less than 30 percent in New York City, we can't win this race. If you hit 30 percent in the city, then you can win the race, but you have to hit your, your goal number everywhere, all 62 counties. Now, if you're able to get 35% or more inside of New York City, then it starts to become difficult to lose, and each additional point relieves that pressure elsewhere. I mean, you get 37% of the vote in New York City, you win. Uh, you win statewide. So inside of the city, we really need turnout in uh, the, the areas that we'll do best in, Staten Island, Bay Ridge, Brighton Beach, Middle Village, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Borough Park. I mean, that list goes on. There are pockets of votes where we're going to crush it. And then as far as the coalition efforts, I mean, we're, we're doing fantastic with the Dominican community, with the Orthodox Jewish community. Uh, we've made inroads. We're going to do better with the, the Asian-American community and the black community. And we're still working on meeting more people. And we need all of our voters to show up. And there's a big enthusiasm gap 
Uh, the polls have consistently shown us now polling in the 30s. So we don't want to get 30% anymore because that's that's the minimum. I want to see us get 35% or more. I would love for us to just win this race in, in New York City because we will hit the goal that we need everywhere else. Uh, and, by the way, message to everybody else, it doesn't matter where you are in the state, anybody you know in all 62 counties, we need everyone everywhere doing everything in their power, taking nothing for granted. And then on Tuesday night, you get to watch. You get to listen to a concession speech by Kathy Hochul. But that is only if we are all working hard to be able to fire her and one-party rule, restore balance and common sense, secure our streets to make sure that we're winning this race on Tuesday. I look forward to uh, standing behind you, whatever hotel we're at in New York City next Tuesday night, when, in fact, uh, you're announced as the winner. We'll talk again one more time, Lee, before the actual day coming up next Tuesday. But take solace in this. Losing is not an option. We get that. Not an option. But you have run an energy-driven, tremendous campaign, and she's done nothing. She comes out of her hole once in a while and lies to the New Yorkers and about you. But you have run... And just a tremendous campaign. So congratulations. We're proud of you. We'll talk again next week before Election Day. Keep up the good work, pal. I'll see you this weekend. Losing is not an option. Thanks, Sid. My man, losing is not an option. There he is, Congressman Lee Zeldin. And again, in my opinion, the next governor here in New York. Still to come this hour, Lydia Serrani and Congressman Peter King. Peter King, my man. All that right here on the Wednesday edition of the morning show here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Stocks lower to start November trading. Wall Street waiting on today's announcement from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. Another 75 basis point interest rate hike is likely. Investors are looking for what's next, particularly with December's policy meeting. More strong labor market data this week indicates the Fed may stick to the current pace of right hikes through the end of the year. CBS Health reporting third quarter earnings today. Wall Street targeting a 4% increase in revenue. The outlook could be a little murky for CBS. The pharmacy giant just lost a massive benefits contract to Cigna Health. Economists targeting a 6% dip in earnings per share for Yum! Brands. Revenue forecast to have increased 2% thanks to same-store sales growth from KFC, Habit Burger, and Taco Bell. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. 
This report is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. Sid, we've been talking about it all morning, all week. We're going to back the blue on a Thursday. And speaking of backing the blue, Trinity College up in Hartford, Connecticut, a kid got in trouble, a student there, because he unfurled uh, an American flag with a blue line in it, which means he backs law enforcement. So people complained about the American flag with the blue line backing cops, right? So the school made the kid take it down while school officials actually went in and took down the flag, citing a policy that you can't have any kind of flags hanging from your windows on campus. Well, libs of TikTok, you know, that famous uh, Twitter uh, accounts, you know, that calls liberals or whatever you want to call them idiots out. Not all liberals are idiots, but these are liberal idiots. Anyway, there you see all in this video that she put out there rainbow flags, transgender flags, BLM flags. And that's okay. And that's okay. So you this is this is according to her reporting, but I saw the video myself. So explain to me how you have a school that is does not allow a student to put out an American flag with the blue line in it, but they allow BLM, rainbow, and and transgender where people mutilate themselves. I I mean, this is insane. I can't explain it. It goes back to my friend Bill Donahue, the president of the Catholic League. He stopped going to the one thing he loves more than anything else, the St. Patrick's Day Parade, because they have no issue at the St. Patrick's Day Parade allowing gays to march with their flag. Yet, yet, when Bill wanted to march with his pro-life flag, they said, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. Very similar analogies. Wow. Same, same thing. Uh, yes. Time and time again, we're starting to see these people place their agenda before religion, before patriotism, before all the things that made this country once great. A friend of mine whose kid is about five years old, she enrolled him in this really fancy Upper East Side private school. I'm talking like fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year. She freaked out. She went recently to the parent-teacher meeting, and they were talking about identity politics. And if the kid feels that they're experiencing gender dysphoria, what pronouns a kid has to use, she's like, oh, oh my God, I just want my kid to learn how to read. I yeah. want them to know how to yeah. what, what sound H makes, and they're talking – and, and like I've said it numerous times, my kid is the same age. I'll be lucky if she wipes her butt properly. Never mind her going around and being like, oh, hey, that's a boy. That's a girl. My daughter doesn't care if you're a boy or girl or a dragon or a rhinoceros. I mean, all these other things or what color, what color you are. Like, why are we doing this to our kids? Why? Can oh, yeah, I, listen, I, know I, you, I know Gabriel experienced a little bit of this. No, he did. And that's why we switched schools. And it's funny because I brought this up earlier in today's program, Lydia. I said to Gabe last night, I said, what are you learning in history? Veterans Day is coming up in about 10 days. I'll be marching in the parade, a huge honor. I said, what are you learning? And he said, to be honest, Dad, even though it's a much better school where I'm at now, kind of the same thing, civil rights. I go, Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. And I wasn't yelling at him, but I don't get it. What about World War One? What about World War Two? Vietnam, Korea, the Gulf War, Afghanistan, Iraq. Why are all these schools spending day after day after day teaching our kids about the civil rights movement in, 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 in elementary schools and high schools? It's okay for a day or two, but what about the rest of our country's history? Enough is enough.
Absolutely. And the New York Post is now reporting that this guy is being paid hundreds of dollars an hour to help parents navigate the woke culture, the woke schools that kids are going to. That's how crazy things have gotten, specifically here in New York City. I'm not hearing it as much up here in, in Westchester County. No. But what the hell is going on? But you're right. Are they learning about the Afghanistan war? No. Are they learning no. about September nope. 11th? Not the are Holocaust. Learning- nope. Not 9-11. Not the Holocaust. Not any of it. And you mentioned Trinity. That's a very very good school. Dalton, and I hate to say this, I don't want to freak people out in their cars with their kids. They're teaching kids about anal sex. Dalton, that school is like six figures. These are the best schools in New York City, and they're ruining our children. So what do we do? That's, I mean, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I talked to my daughter, and it's funny because for Halloween, we wanted to have, like, a theme. I try to do it. So she was going to be Princess Anna from Frozen. I said, I'll be I'll be Elsa. And then I was going to have my husband. I, I Originally, we were thinking Little Mermaid, and I was going to have her Little Mermaid. I said, my husband's to be Ursula, and then <laughs> and I'll be the crab. And she was like, Daddy's a boy. He can't be a girl. He can't be right. Ursula. He can't be a girl. So even a five-year-old knows uh, that you can't do yep. that. So my my hus- yep. husband ended up being Olaf, which he was, <laughs> which he was not happy about. But this report, again, this is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. They have amazing seafood. You will have impeccable service there. Visit the Seafire Grill in Midtown Manhattan for a romantic date night by their fireplace or for your next private event. It's the most amazing, delicious seafood choice in Manhattan. If you want seafood, go to the Seafire Grill. Check them out at seafiregrill.com. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Again, tears for fears. My buddy uh, Louis DeMarco sent me this. He says, um, big event coming up today. All hands on deck. Brooklyn speaks uh, today, November the 2nd at 3 p.m. A Brooklyn rally, Ocean Parkway and Church Avenue. I went to high school right there. Solomon Schechter. That was on Church and East 5th. It's a big rally for Lee Zeldin and Allison Esposito. Everyone let's show Lee and Allison all our love. Avenue P and Ocean Parkway is a location in my old neighborhood in Brooklyn coming up at 3. All right, put this time aside every week for the great congressman, nearly four decades, Homeland Security, and now a legitimate superstar, 
on WABC and a dear friend of the Rosenberg family, him and his wife, Rosemary, and, of course, Melissa Zim. It's my dear friend, Peter King. Pete, good morning. How are you, pal? Hey, Sid, it's great to be with you. And let me just say, before I forget, if we're talking about rallies, there's a monster rally for Lee Zellin tonight in Nassau County, for Lee Zellin, Alice Esposito, uh, Anthony uh, D'Esposito at the Plateau in Franklin Square. We expect well over 1,000 people. Wow. And uh, the entire Republican uh, ticket is going to be there. There was an event last night in Nassau, which was a paid event, by the way, for the Republican Committee, the largest crowd they ever had. They had to take the tables out of the room up at the uh, press hollow. There were so many people there. So wow. the enthusiasm is there. You sense it everywhere. You see it in the ground signs. You see it in the lawn signs. You see people talking to you who probably never thought of voting Republican before, but they've had enough of the Democrats, and they're going to leave. It's funny you say that, <laughs> because I texted you yesterday from my gym in Rockaway, and I bumped into a guy uh, that you know, you know his father very well, Kevin Breslin, whose father, of course, Jimmy one of the great, great writers in the history of New York. That is a largely Democratic family. Only vote Democrat. And uh, Kevin, and he said, I can say this on the air, said, you can say it. I'm voting for Lee Zeldin. Even a Breslin voting for Lee Zeldin. How about that, Pete King? Yeah, it really is. Because uh, you know, their father, Jimmy, was very friendly with Hugh Carey, with Mario Cuomo, Geraldine Ferraro. This, this is a Democratic family going all the way back. And uh, Kevin and uh, his uh, brother James, I get texts from them every day. They have had it with the Democratic Party, and they feel that they're out of touch with real, middle-income, hardworking, blue-collar people. And the way they ignore this whole thing on crime is really, really a disgrace. I mean, you know, in, in the last few years, no matter what Kathy Hochul says, if you go back to 2019, murders are up by 20 and 30 percent. Ever since bail reform went into, into effect, that's, that's the reality. That is the story, and that's under the Democrats, and she won't change bail reform. She said she did. But I'm really, just in the last three years, murders up 32%, felonies 24%, burglaries 49%, auto theft 148%. The city is falling apart. People are afraid to go anywhere. It used to be, even in the bad old days, you stayed away from certain neighborhoods, you're okay. Now, anywhere you go, you could yep. be any place, any place in New York City at all, really any place in New York State almost, including Lee Zeldin's own home, yep. and you're not safe. Now, even Howard Beach uh, and Bill Basin, Upper East Side was always, you know, was protected as it got, Pete. They've got robberies and beatings almost every day, and I know you heard my rant yesterday. What was better than walking around New York City? Yesterday was November the 1st. We've got Thanksgiving right. and Christmas coming up, Pete. All those right. beautiful stores, Macy's, Saks, Bloomingdale's, mm-hmm. all those gorgeous Christmas decorations, and my own family who used to love to come down, they don't want to come. They don't want to come. No, and, you, know, uh, you had mentioned Macy's. Uh, remember, it was during the uh, George Floyd riots several years ago, 2020, when they tried to burn Macy's down, when they vandalized St. Patrick's Cathedral, and not one Democrat, not one Democrat denounced those riots. They call them protests. Uh, Andrew Cuomo said he was proud, proud to stand with the protesters after cops have a Molotov cocktails thrown at them. So when they talk about violence, they talk about guns on the street. If you want to get guns off the street, you let the cops do their job. You go back to stop, question, and frisk. The Democrats and their progressive leadership have just unraveled the city. They basically disarmed the police. And uh, so that's why it's so important that not just Republicans, because Republicans got to come out 100 percent for Lee Zeldin. But you got to get the Democrats, the independents, the people who just had enough. And Kevin Breslin is a classic example of that. If you had, I mean, uh, if you if you had told Jimmy Breslin years ago 
that his family would be voting Republican. <laughs> he wouldn't have believed it. Kevin's out there. He's a thoughtful guy, and he's had enough. I'll tell you a funny story. Albert Kid Blast Gallo was a cousin of my next-door neighbor, ended up at my bar mitzvah, don't ask. And his father, Jimmy, of course, wrote the book, The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight, right. about the Gallo brothers. I told Kevin that yesterday. He got a big kick out of it. But, you know, the other problem is the media still. These, uh, these common denominator nitwits who live in this country, watching The View, for example. In the last week alone, Pete King, Whoopi Goldberg has said to Ted Cruz, we're not the ones who riot. You just mentioned St. Patrick's Cathedral, Macy's, oh in summer of 2020. And yesterday, Joy Behar was giving credit to Joe Biden for reducing crime in major cities in this country. How do you combat that? You know, they live in their own world. I mean, they talk about riots, and that is one thing which will always last with me. What happened in the summer of 2020, you had organized riots all throughout the country. In New York, it was like a military operation between Black Lives Matter and Antifa going up and down streets. They had communications among themselves. They were burning buildings. And it was everywhere they were burning, including the bodegas and the minority communities, including, again, going up to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And the district attorney of New York County wouldn't even arrest or process them at all because he said this was part of a process. You had a, a, a cop whose friend of mine got hit in the face with a brick. All his teeth were knocked out, and they couldn't move the ambulance because the crowd was trying to turn the ambulance over when they were taking them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's what we were putting up with, and the Democrats looked, not only looked the other way, they encouraged it. Kamala Harris said she would, her group would post bail for those who are locked up in these riots. So this is disgraceful. Yep. It's shameful. And uh, we have to really let it be known that the De- Democrats and their allies in the media, there's no doubt about it. The, the media is an accessory to all this. They look the other way. They uh, not only look the other way, they condone it. And they somehow make it, if you, are, if you support the police, you know, all these Democrats now say that they were never for defunding the police. You tell me one Democrat who said one good word about the cops during the summer none, of 2020. None, none. And they're all none. lying. They're all, they're all lying now. They, they yes, all did none. say it. They all did say deep on the police, including Max Rose and a host of others. I don't know if you heard earlier, Pete, you had, uh, we had your friend on, Laura Curran. She was the Nassau County executive. And by the way, a very good one. Bruce Blakeman's doing a tremendous job. She was good. But unfortunately, she was a Democrat in bed with Todd Kaminsky, and that was the end of her career and his. He was forced into retirement by Ann Donnelly. But I have gone out of my way, Pete, just for you. Yesterday, Nick LaLota on the show. I tweeted out Anthony Desposito. I was out there for Donnelly and for Blakeman last year. I mean, the list goes on. Garbarino, the list goes on and on. Long Island candidates that I want to win because of you. I know you're keeping your eye on a lot of those local races. Give me one or two that you're really caught up in, caught up outside of Garbarino. Anthony D'Esposito. He's a guy who was a former cop. He had over 600 arrests as a detective in the really tough neighborhoods of uh, Brooklyn. He's a tough guy. He's a strong guy. My daughter served him on the Hempstead Town Board. He's a councilman in the Island Park area. He is just breaking his back up and down. The district goes from Seaford, basically, to Valley Stream. Anthony's doing a terrific job. He's campaigning hard. Again, you know, the media's not supporting him. Newsday's not going to support him. And, uh, and they're taking shots at him, but he is tough. And that's what we need. Above all, if there's ever a time where we needed a tough cop who's a smart guy as well, very smart guy, a very tough guy in Washington defending the police. And you, when you defend the police, you're defending the honest people living in the communities who want to want to have safe homes, want their kids to go to safe schools. So I am all in for uh, Anthony uh, Esposito, I'm campaigning for him all the time. I'll be at a fundraiser for him tonight that your buddy and my buddy Steve Scalise is coming in for. Oh, nice. That's going to be for having a fundraiser 
at 4.30 for uh, Anthony D'Esposito and George Santos. Uh, Steve Scalise is coming in for that. And then we're going right to the Platte Joyce in Franklin Square. And that crowd will be well over 1,000. That will be an overwhelming crowd. And let me tell you, I've been in politics a long time. Sometimes when you have these pre-election rallies, you got to get on the phone. You're begging people to come out. Don't make us look bad. You know, you sort of uh, try to try to get people in the room. They can't keep people away now. And they're just, uh, and again, that rally that uh, Lee had with uh, DeSantis last week, those spur-of-the-moment rallies don't happen. Usually it takes weeks and weeks yeah. to put together a rally like that. Yep. They did it overnight. So that shows this is for Lee, and it even goes beyond Lee. It's a rebellion by the people of New York who have had enough of crime and disorder, a breakdown in values and standards. I mean, you know, the way they go after yeshiva schools, the way that somehow they talk about that attacks on Asians are caused by white supremacists. I haven't seen a white supremacist yet attacking oh, Asians in, in New York. So yeah, right. all that phony yep. liberal progressive crap that people yep. are getting fed up with. Well, two things. First of all, that rally you're talking about on Long Island Saturday, Ron DeSantis was here out of Florida, and they drew 7,000 people. Yep. Then they got Glenn Youngkin, Pete, to come Monday out of out of Ohio, out of Virginia, Virginia, excuse me, and they drew a ton of people with George Pataki out in Westchester. But the, the whole thing with the white supremacists, look, the fact is people in this country, not me, people in this country are afraid, they are afraid to criticize black people. I'm on the air for days destroying Kyrie Irving. He is black. He's also an anti-Semite. He's a bad guy. You are a very, very, very big sports fan like me. Uh, you love every spot. I know you stopped watching the NBA years ago, but can the Nets or the NBA, Peter, make any logical explanation why Kyrie Irving is still playing basketball after promoting hatred with anti-Semitic remarks on his social media? I don't see how they can at all. But, you know, the NBA, they're a bunch of whores also because they were involved with China, with communist <laughs> China. They, I mean, they, they are phonies and hypocrites. They have this whole thing. They're anti-cop. If you say one word to frame the cops they're after you, meanwhile, Kyrie is an anti-Semite. And this isn't just something. Sometimes you, know, you can say something in a bar that's interpreted the wrong way. or You're saying, as you were saying yesterday, you know, you try to tell a joke it comes out the wrong way. No, this is deliberate anti-Semitism. And anti-Semitic means you're anti-Jewish. Let's, not, you know, let's cut right through it. And in today's age, when we see so many Jews being attacked, when a kid walks down the street wearing a yarmulke and he gets attacked, you find uh, you know, vandalism going on at, at temples. This is disgrace. And NBA, to, be, to me, it's just like the, uh, you know, the, uh, 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 the Germans who went along with Hitler. You can't allow hatred to be unchallenged, and you've got to take action. If this guy's making millions of dollars, and he's the, becoming the face of the New York Nets, then they are enablers of anti-Semitism. And that's it. They can't hide from it. Oh, you're right. And unfortunately, it takes people like Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal last night, two Hall of Famers. They both called him an idiot, which was great, but they're so far removed from the game. You want to see somebody playing right now, like, oh, I don't know, maybe LeBron James. He'd never do it because he's kind of the same guy that Kyrie Irving is. But how nice would it be to see somebody playing right now criticize Kyrie Irving, Peter, not somebody who's been out of the game for 25 years? Yeah, and don't say that he, you know, uh, that he went too far, there was a misunderstanding. No, this is hatred. You don't come out and endorse a film like that, which is basically a pro-Hitler, anti-Semitic uh, film. Just to do that, to me, is just, uh, there's no excuse. And also, don't be saying he has mental illness, he has this, that, the other thing. He's smart enough to make tens of millions of dollars. Right. He's, he's smart enough to, to con a whole league. So, no, he should be gone. The Nets should get rid of him, and they should show some guts. And the NBA itself should pull away from communist China. I mean, they talk about police brutality over here. Meanwhile, they're in bed with a regime over there, which is torturing and killing 
people by the day, setting up prison camps, concentration camps. That's what the NBA is all about. So, no, I, I can't even look at them. I turn them off. I think of Walt Frazier and Dave DeBusher and Willis Reed and Bill Bradley. I mean, I was even going back before that to Harry Gallatin. I mean, mm. I go way back. Mm. I love Knicks. I used to love Nick games. Sure, sure. Now I can't look at it. No, you're right, man. Listen, you are so good, Peter. There is nothing we can't discuss. You know something about everything. This is such a special segment every week. And today, calling the NBA a bunch of whores, it's your MVP, man. This is as good as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wasn't this way until I met you. I met you in Macedonia, Phil, and all you people. I've for years. <laughs> hey, don't laugh. I've definitely rubbed off on you just a little bit. I can tell that, Pete. I can tell. Hey, you were great again today. You're always terrific. Have fun later on today. Give Scalise my best, and keep on talking, Pete King. You're one of the all-time greats. I mean that. Yeah, you're the man. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, the great congressman, Peter King. What a great segment that was. Got more to come, including my first cousin, Senator from the great state of Minnesota, Norm Coleman, and more. But first, more Tears for Fears. Check this out. Do it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I seem to recognize your face. Haunting, familiar, yeah. I can't seem to place it. Cannot find the candle of thought to light. Little Pearl Jam for you. You know, I love this song. So during the break, I spent the whole time on the phone with Ron Duguay. My man, Ronnie Duguay, my favorite ranger, the great number 10. As it turns out, by the way, Dukes is back with the Rangers. The last two years, he was not part of their TV product. And he uh, did the game last night, Ronnie Duguay. And his girlfriend, you may have heard of her, Sarah Palin, is coming into New York tonight. And uh, Doug is going to take Sarah Palin to a very first ever Knicks game later on tonight. Knicks and Hawks at Madison Square Garden. And then tomorrow night, Duguay is taking Sarah Palin to a very first ever Rangers game. And then on Friday, it looks like Duguay and Sarah will be here with me. Oh, my. In the 9 o'clock hour. Yeah. I want him to record her yelling after the whistle starts. What happens? <laughs> you want her to do that? Yes. Okay. Pot, I wanted to yell. She would do it. Fa- pot fan sucks. She'll do it. She's a Ranger fan now, man. She's all up in Duguay. That's Die Hard. Yeah, she loves those hockey Rangers. I'll be outside MSG tonight, so maybe I'll see her. Well, are you gonna, what are you dealing meth or something? Or, yeah, uh, yeah, yes. that and. Uh, I'll be what do you mean you're going to be outside? What does that mean? What? We're doing. Uh, Eric and I are doing like a like a little video fun. Oh like my a god! Fun, fun little video thing with the fans outside uh, outside MSG. 
Hey, listen, the podcast is working. You guys are doing very, I think you're second to me, right? Yeah, second to you. So we're trying to I think to I'm get one, you're yeah. two, Laura Curran, or both. Something like three that. Three and four, That's yeah. Something, uh, I think so now, you're taking this, now you're taking this whole act on the road. Well, not really on the road. We're just, I mean, we're not even going in. Yeah. But I think we're doing that. And then Sunday, I think we're going to go outside for the Rangers game. And then I think we're trying to do a, a Giants like tailgate. <laughs> you got to stop. I'm I swear to God. You. I swear to God. We're going to do a Giants tailgate, bro. Yeah. You're you going to come? Of course not. All right. We'll see I mean, you there. You're not going to come? You don't want to come. How is my cousin, Norm? I don't know. Come in here, grab my phone, and take his number. Yeah, you want him to, st- you want him to make this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, please that's go away. Yeah. I'm begging you. <laughs> so there it is. That's the uh, the Alec and uh, Eric Salas schedule and the Dugay Palin schedule. Knicks tonight, Rangers tomorrow, radio with Sid on uh, on Friday. Oh, yeah. Potvin sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Potvin, oh, yeah. Got it. Got it, Ronnie. She's actually running, uh, you know, next Tuesday. I don't know if you know that, uh, Lewis. I, I, I think you know that, but no, I don't. There's I, his number. I, I don't know. Yeah. If Phil doesn't tell me, I know nothing. <laughs> Phil's all over this stuff. Yeah. He is all yeah. over it. Yeah. No idea where he is now, but no. Some... Where is Phil? I haven't seen him for like an hour. No, he's, maybe he's got cramps. He's I don't busy. know. Busy. Yeah, no, he he gets those around eight <laughs> fifty. I I need to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. Oh, boy. Abraham Hamra will join me, too, at 925. He's part of this, now, this uh, Jewish organization. And they're upset about so many things, I don't even know where to start. You got Kanye West. You got Kyrie Irving. You got the Palestinians. You got all kinds of stuff going on. So, you know, it's, um, it's brutal. It really is brutal. And like Pete King was just talking about, he's exactly right. There's not a white supremacist anywhere near these issues. Not one. And they still talk about white supremacists. Still. What a lying, thieving party these Democrats are. And now some of you folks living here in New York are going to vote for these people? You're okay with what's going on here? You like it? It's good? What uh, what happened with Norm there? Uh, I think he's calling right now. He's calling literally right now. Yeah. You know, he was the mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota for eight years. Then he was a senator. He beat Paul Wellstone, who was killed, actually, tragically, and Walter Mondale. And uh, now he's a political analyst. He's on Newsmax quite a bit. And he's still a major force in the Republican Party. Stop calling people. I hear my phone. You're FaceTiming somebody. No, I'm actually holding on to it so that you don't text in the middle of right, segments. Give me the you know damn phone. Here. Here he is, my first cousin, live from somewhere in the United States, the great Norm Coleman. Good morning, Norman. How are you, pal? Sid, I'm doing great. And, and let me just say to your listeners, you know, first cousins, people know, you're, you're my brother. Uh, and and, oh, and your you. dad was, was, you know, the hero with my dad. And, yep. and yep. But just so folks understand, you know, with, with two guys that kind of grew up in Brooklyn, at least with me, I think the guy went out of Brooklyn, but you could take the Brooklyn out of the guy. Uh, with you, you, you're still back here in New York City. So that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, with kids grew up in the Midwood, Flatbush area of Brooklyn, and God has been really good to us. Really, really good to uh, us. There's no question. That yep. you, couldn't, you, know, yep. you, you couldn't believe. And, Sid, let me, before we go, just I want to say one thing up front. You know, my heart goes out that Bernie's not on this call. Um, he was just an extraordinary, extraordinary kind of, you know, truth to power. I mean, he just kind of said it as, as it was. You know, and, and, and didn't hesitate and was kind of just, you know, tuned right in and uh, just, just an extraordinary guy. And, and so listen, I fought a seven year battle with cancer. It's 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 always in your head. Uh, I'm still winning. 
you know, Coleman three, cancer one. Nice. Uh, Bernie, you know, wasn't able to kind of cross the line there, but uh, I do miss him dearly, and I wanted to say that before we began the conversation. That's very nice. Thank you, and much appreciated, um, you know, dealing with Bernard and uh, the whole thing for the better part of 11 months. You know, he passed away about three and a half weeks ago. Most people have been distraught since then. For me, this has been basically a year, and for his wife, Carol, and his children, even more difficult, but thank God you are okay, Norman, and You've uh, gone through an awful lot, too, so you can appreciate what Bernie went through. And you're here today to talk to me about a variety of things. Let's start with uh, with Israel, because I don't know any other Republican who's been there more than you. And it looks like Bibi Netanyahu is in position to take back the power to be the man in Israel. i got to be honest. I don't know much about the new guy. I love Bibi. This new guy I know very little about. If Bibi, in fact, once again takes over power in Israel, uh, what does that mean for the rest of the world? So, so listen, I'm a friend. Bibi's a friend. I got to say that up front. And I, I got it six months ago. I told people Bibi's coming back. Uh, you know, he 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 provides strong leadership, and and Israel needs that. You know, the, this administration is playing kissing cousins with with Iran. You know, trying to get back on a nuclear deal that that is an existential threat to the Israelis. They're going to have to do something and make sure Iran doesn't get a nuclear weapon. You know, hopefully we'll be we'll we'll, we'll actually be there by their side. I worry with this administration whether that's the case. So Bibi's provided strong leadership. Uh, uh, he, he's. It, I'm, I'm just. Uh, I'm pleased. But I, but again, I got to confess to a personal relationship. I was with Bibi. I spoke to Bibi his last day in office. I brought a group of, uh, of 20 major donors and the national chairman of the Republican Jewish Coalition to Israel, and it was Bibi's last day in office. And, wow. and uh, I tell you, he wasn't happy about it. So. Uh, you know, I, this this one, I, I just go back to kind of personal relations. He's provided strong leadership to Israel. Uh, I, I was there when he spoke in the U.S. Capitol, uh, gave an address that I thought was just really powerful. Uh, and, and and so, you know, I, I, I got a smile on my face. But uh, Israel needs strong leadership at this time, and he's certainly in a position to provide it. You started this conversation talking about you being a Brooklyn boy. Yes, you've gone to Iowa, Minnesota, other spots, and I'm a Brooklyn boy, and I'm the only schmuck that came back from Florida at the age of 50. That's how much <laughs> I love New York. But uh, did you ever think we'd be talking about the day Norm Coleman were a professional athlete in Brooklyn would just go out there and, 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 and just attack the Jews on his social media and continue to play basketball in Brooklyn and get, and get paid handsomely? This Kyrie Irving story with the Brooklyn Nets, how disgraceful is that? I don't, I, I don't get it. And, and i, I got to tell you, so the, you know, the issue of anti-Semitism is, is uh, it, it, it's, it, it's horrible. It's, it's there. It, um, and and it's it's global, by the way. It's, it's Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I was uh, in in Israel not too long ago, and and everyone around the pool area was speaking French. Uh, and, and I said, yeah, because you can't be a Jew in France today. No, you can't. Uh, yep. You know, yep. it, it's it's and so uh, I, I just think it's it, it's got to when it rears ugly edge, you got to kind of put your foot down on top of it. And so you know, I look at what's happening with you know what happened with 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 with, with Ye, with Kanye West. I look at, at Kyrie and. I'm just trying to kind of sort it out, but uh, this is one you can't you, – you let this genie out of the bottle and it's going to devour you. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Norm Coleman joining me live this morning, my first cousin, like you said, my brother, a tremendous politician and still uh, heavily involved these days. Norm, you won uh, senator of the great state of uh, Minnesota, so you know what uh, type of success that was and what it was like to get that win. Now we're watching all these Senate races very, very closely. I think we're all pretty confident the House goes back to us, but the Senate still remains a question. 
question. Does Walker win in Georgia? Does Oz win in Pennsylvania? What does Nevada look like with Axel? These are the things we're keeping of Axel. This is a very, very uh, interesting day coming up on Tuesday. What do you see? So, and I'm, I really try, by the way, to kind of put, a, if, if I can, just not kind of see this through my own lens. I mean, if you look at, so, so the issue, Sid, is, is, is when voters walk in the voting room, what are they thinking about? What are they thinking about when they're walking in there? If they're thinking about whether they can feed their family, the economy, if they're thinking about the cost of a loaf of bread uh, or, the, or a gallon of gas, if they're thinking about whether they're worried that their wife's going to get hijacked when she's going just to her neighborhood store, okay, uh, they're thinking about that this, this country's out of control with the border and, and, and we need change. They're going to vote Republican. Okay, that's, I mean, every poll says that. Republicans have leads of like 30 points, 28 points, 31 on all those issues. Big, you know, big, big double-digit leads. If they're thinking about abortion or they're thinking about January 6th, they're probably going to vote Democrat. Okay? So i got to believe, and every poll tells you, that most Americans today are thinking about the things that I just spoke about. Things that impact their family when they're sitting around that breakfast table in the morning, you know, whether dad, mom, mom and dad can go to work, whether they can afford food, whether they can, uh, whether they feel safe, uh, whether they're, they're worried about, you know, the, the direction of this country, that we're inflation eating away at them. And, and so as a result, uh, first of all, I, uh, Memonaz is going to win Pennsylvania. Okay, he's going to win Pennsylvania. Why, why are you saying that with such confidence? Why are you saying that with such confidence? Because every trend, everything is, is moving in, in his direction. And the people of Pennsylvania had a chance to see both of them on stage, you know, a little over a week, just a little while ago, a week ago. And, and, and it, it's, it, wasn't, it was sad. It was, it, I, it was sad that, that Fetterman, I think his wife or something, kind of lets him go through that. This guy said couldn't respond. He couldn't talk. He, and by the way, if he did talk, what he had to say wasn't worth listening to. Well, he lied he the whole time. He, he kept talking about policies. How, right. His policies are, 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 are to the left of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and, and, and so, yeah, the, you know, I, I mean, in many ways, I wish he could talk because if we listened to him, you would have you said, I can't vote for this guy. Uh, and so Memonaz is going to win that race, and that's that's a good thing. It's interesting, Sid. Today, this poll just came out of Anselm, which is you know New Hampshire. You know one of the big polls. It, it had Bulldog, I think, up by one in New Hampshire. And I'm not saying we're going to win that race, but I got to tell you, every trend line, everything is kind of. And these things do happen in waves. They really do. If they stop breaking one way, they tend to break that way. And so yes, Republicans will, will win the House, no doubt. The question is the margin. I think the same in the Senate. I think we win Nevada. I am confident we win Pennsylvania. It looks like we can win Georgia and Arizona. You know, it could be 52, 53 Republican seats. And by the way, as I say that, you know, I've been wrong so many times. In, in the end, <laughs> yeah. you know, the voters yeah. make yeah. their choice. You know, I didn't yeah. realize, if you go back last cycle, Sid, you know, we picked my team, public team, we picked up 15 seats. We didn't lose a single incumbent. We picked up 15 seats. I didn't predict that. I didn't see that. I thought we were going to lose three or four seats. So, you know, uh, hindsight, the, the best predictor is, is, is after the election. Right. You know, you're right. <laughs> I wish... This one did every poll, every kind of feeling, every the momentum is all going in the R direction. And, and the D's, listen, they, 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 they built their whole case on, on abortion. That's all they spoke about. Uh, and, and, and in the end, I don't think that's the thing that's moving voters today. I think they're more worried about feeding their family, 
safety uh, and, and wanting America to move in the right direction. Last comment on this one is that you look at Biden's numbers among independents. Okay? He's probably still pretty popular in some places in New York and California. You know, but by the way, I think Lee Zeldin could win that governor's race uh, in New York, and, and that, that would be incredible. Uh, in, in Michigan, uh, Tudor Dixon, recent poll, had her down by 0.2% against Whitner. But, but if, if you look at kind of where all the energy is going, it's going in the odd direction because people are not happy. This president's numbers with independents are in the 30s, and midterm elections are typically referendums on the party in power. And if that's the case, Republicans should have a big night. 60 seconds to go. That was awesome, by the way, Norm. That wasn't good. That was awesome. 60 seconds to go. I'm, giving, I'm going to provide an assumption here. That'll be Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump for the right to represent Republicans in the White House in 2024. Which one of those guys gets Norm Coleman's vote? So, so uh, <laughs> the politician, Norm Coleman. <laughs> you know, you've been up here once, and I got friends on one side, friends on the other, they always stick with my friends. My fence is a friend. Mike Pompeo is a friend. Uh, Christy Noem is, 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 is a friend. Nikki Haley is a friend. I, I think this race is still wide open. Clearly, the, the, the big dog on the block is, 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 is President Trump. Ron DeSantis is, is the guy that kind of seems next in line. But there are a lot of really talented folks. And by the way, you look at our bench versus their bench, uh, and, and, and we're what's stronger. We're going to win in 2024. I'm going to reserve judgment for a little bit in terms of uh, kind of, kind of where, you know, what number I'm going to put my, uh, my chip on. All right, fair enough. You know who's coming into the studio on Friday? Ron Duguay. I know you're still a New York Ranger fan, even okay. though you brought the Wild back to Minnesota. And his girlfriend, Sarah Palin. How about that? Wow, rock and roll. Yeah. Rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. They, they said, by the way, the Vikings are uh, 6 and <laughs> Don't give me that Vikings nonsense. You're a giant fan. Will you stop it? Uh, hey, listen, I, was, I, there was, I had some hope for a little bit this, this year, you know, and a little, a little tough, tough going last time. But, uh, listen, I, I go back to uh, Y.A. Tittle, uh, uh, Modulewski, yep, yep. Sam Huff. Uh, you know, I'm dating myself. No, you do. I, Cabbage, I big blue in those days. Andy Robustelli. By the way, the Giants did lose your right to Seattle on Sunday to both the 6-2 and two norm, but they've got the bye week this week. Then they get Detroit and Houston. So there's a very good chance the Giants are going to be eight and two. That's pretty good, but not a very good football team. You know, you believe in miracles. I mean, <laughs> I know. Oh, no, no, a miracle would be Kirk Cousin winning a big game. Gurian, first prime minister of Israel once said, "Anybody who doesn't believe in miracles is not a realist." Okay, that's, that's... if you believe in giants, you could be a realist, and it still may be an uh, an effing miracle. So I'll leave on that note. Okay. All right. I love you so much. This was a a great great appearance, Norman Coleman. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bye-bye. My man, my first cousin, my brother, Norman Coleman. What a super guy. And um, like he said, you know, he's battled cancer three times, very serious cancer, over a seven-year period. And thank God he's, he's beaten it so far. And uh, such kind words about Bernard, who put up a, a, an amazing fight. Bernie really did. And um, it wasn't his doing. It just no one could have beaten that. Nobody. Knowing now what, it, what I didn't know three months ago, nobody could have. So to hear that from Norm Coleman about Bernie, I think, means an awful lot. We'll take a short break. When we get back, we'll talk more about Kanye West, Kyrie Irving, and the big anti-Semite problem here in New York with my friend Abraham Hamra, plus your phone calls and more. Keep it right here, Wednesday, on Talk Radio 77, WABC. I changed by not changing at all. 
Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. line in this song he goes hike up your skirt a little more and show the world to me oh my god i saw these guys perform it um so good you're such a juvenile that's the song i know that's the one part of the song i just i just play that part like a million times i saw them perform at bethel woods they were great the show has been great today norm coleman peter king lee zeldin lydia uh who else was on today uh we had, oh, Laura Curran was terrific today. My friend Abraham Hamra, of course, is a big-time attorney. He's my wife's partner, actually. But he is part of a group called Uprooted, which is an organization that uh, really defends the Jewish people. And with all these stories going on right now, he is a perfect guest to bring on for a couple of minutes this morning. Abe, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning, Sid. How are you? How you doing? I'm doing great. Tell me this organization, Uprooted, that you're now a, a part of and, quite frankly, should be the face of. What exactly do you guys do on a daily basis for Jewish people, not just here in New York, but, quite frankly, around the world? Sure. Thank you for asking, Sid. So Uprooted is a uh, organization that started in response to the current trend of anti-Semitism in which Jews are classified and identified as white privileged colonizers with no history in the Middle East. You see, Uprooted is an organization that's made up of Jewish refugees from Arab countries in Iran. And this month, actually, is Mizrahi Heritage Month, right, in which we want to share our stories and bring light to our catastrophes, to our experiences, and to really give a balanced narrative to what's going on with the pro-Palestinian side that's coming out and continuing to frame Jews as this white privileged colonizers and almost justify their attacks or their supporters' attacks on the Jewish people as punching up. We want to shatter that myth. I love that. Now, you, Abraham, your story, you're an immigrant. You came here from someplace else, Jewish person, obviously, now very successful, beautiful wife, Rachel, beautiful children, living a wonderful life. But it wasn't easy for you either when you got here. So this really hits home for you. Yes, tell your story just a little bit. Right, 100%. And that's another part of our organization, right? We want to show that no matter what oppression, no matter what hardships you faced in the past, yesterday does not have to control tomorrow. And so a really important key attribute in my community, the Syrian Jewish community in Brooklyn, and really with the majority of the uh, refugees of Arab countries, is resiliency. My father and my family left Syria in 1994. You see, Jews weren't allowed out of Syria before 1990s, before the 1990s. Um, the U.S. negotiated a treaty that finally freed us. My father had three children and a pregnant wife at the time they came to this country. He worked. He provided us shelter, food, and a good life. And I remember when I went to college, he could have told me all the negatives, 
how I was a victim, how we were oppressed, but he didn't. What he told me was, you speak English. There is no reason why you can't achieve anything and everything you want in this country. And that's the frame of mind that I had going in. And when I was rejected for jobs, it did not stop me. I didn't think, okay, why was I rejected? I just kept pushing forward and kept showing this strength of resilience, a strength that's really inherited in in our DNA as Jews. Um, And thank God, you know, it's worked out. I don't see myself as a victim, but now it's important that we do share our stories of how we were victimized so that yesterday doesn't spill it over into today's freedoms. Oh, what a great rant right there. That was terrific. Abraham Hamra, Uprooted is the organization, and uh, Abe's story is a great one. Now, lately, there seems to be more and more celebrity types. Uh, both of these guys are African-American. I just have to point that out because that's what Democrats do. But that's not, it's not like they're the only ones. The white people do the same thing. But Kanye West and now Kyrie Irving on the Brooklyn Nets, the latest two to come out and attack the Jews. Uh, this must be something. This is right up your alley, Abraham. Something that you guys must be talking about. It uprooted almost every day. What are your thoughts on the latest two celebrities to attack the Jewish community? Right. Well, thank you for asking that. And yeah, and I heard you were asking about Kyrie Irving before, and what the Nets' reactions or the NBA's reaction to, Ky- uh, to Kyrie Irving's anti-Semitic comments were. Now, everybody's asking why isn't the NBA or the Nets taking any action? Our question is a little different. Why don't they feel like they have to take action from a business standpoint, right? That is more telling than the NBA. If if we were to assume the NBA is a moral or a value-based organization, then they would have taken action immediately. But they didn't, which shows us that they react to how they perceive their general fan base and audience would take this individual's comments. Them not taking action is more alarming to me on the fact that they don't feel the need or the capital pressure to take action. Um, obviously, his statements and, and uh, Ye's statements are extremely anti-Semitic and extremely divis- divisive. Now, the Jews have stood historically with African-Americans against racism and for civil rights. And guess what? We will continue to stand with African-Americans against racism and for civil rights <laughs> right. because that's the moral thing to do. And a few individuals that happen to be African-American are not going to stop us because we know that together we could be unstoppable. And so one part of our organization is really outreach to our local communities and show them and help them understand the trait of resiliency that has helped get us so far in this world. A.B., this may be a very difficult question to answer. But I'm going to pose it anyway. Dove Hyken comes on and talks about this and others. Why has there been such an uptick in anti-Semitic attacks, whether it's Brooklyn, New York, the country? You just heard my cousin talk about, you know, French people in Israel because you can't be Jewish in France. What is going on, you think, lately that is causing such an uptick in these attacks? I think there's been a shift in the general idea of justice in this country between equality and equity. And I think the more that it's shifting towards equity and the more the pro-Palestinians kind of push themselves or place themselves as the equitable choice. And with the absence of our voice, the Jewish refugees of Arab countries in Iran, they're convincing good-hearted people, they're convincing the world that they're such victims that no matter what they act, no matter how they act towards the Jewish community, this Jewish community is white and non-marginalized like they are. So any attacks against them in the name of anti-Israel is really a punching up. It's really an act for equity. And so you're seeing that as more more and more people embrace equity as a 
fundamental value for justice, you're seeing almost, whether it's correlating or coincidental, a true increase in spike in anti-Semitism. In the end, when our yeah. voices are missing. Right. Yes, when our voices are missing. So right. That's why our stories today, it's essential that we tell them. Um, and I wanted to just mention one thing real quick. Um, so there's a resolution. I, I know I spoke to you about this before, and I'm hoping there's some Congress people listening to the show right now. Rashida Tlaib filed a resolution which continues this white privilege colonizing theme against the Jewish people. Um, the resolution is 11, House Resolution 1123, which tries to recognize the Nakba and the Palestinian refugee rights. The problem is the, the resolution is misleading. There's a lot of half-truths and false statements within it. But there's another issue. There's already a resolution that has passed the House with bipartisan support in 2008, H.R. 185, which states it would be un- inappropriate and unjust for the U.S. to discuss pro-Palestinian rights without discussing at the same time the rights of the Jewish refugees of Arab countries. They, do, they did that because they saw that the, the international media was so focused on the Palestinian story that we were almost a threat of being ethnically cleansed from the memories of the Middle East. Wow. And so what we are asking is that Congress stand up, use H.R. 185, and demand not that Rashida Tlaib withdraw her resolution, but rather amend it, correct the misstatements, and make it just. Add all the catastrophes like the Farhud and the Harayat that happened to the Jewish people in Arab countries and Iran. Wow, that is a um, a good piece of work right there. Do you, I mean, do you think they can convince her to do it? you think that's a real possibility? If she's honest, right, she's saying she doesn't hate the Jewish people. She's just advocating for her people. Yeah. We're not opposed to that. Yeah. So why yeah. not advocate for our mm. people as well, the Jewish people mm. that suffered in Arab countries? <laughs> good luck. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. For people who want to learn more about Uprooted, and this was a great appearance, Abraham, really a terrific job. Where can they learn more? Where, where can they find more information? Give me the whole spiel. So I am asking everybody to go to Uprooted underscore justice and follow our Instagram page. There's going to be a lot of information that's coming out on that page. A petition to sign against this Rashida Tlaib uh, resolution is going to be found in the bio of our page later this week. So it is very important that everybody listening to the show right now, please type in uprooted underscore justice and follow our Instagram page. You will be enriched and help us in this fight against anti-Semitism. That's an excellent job, Abraham. Thank you for coming on today. Once again, uprooted, underscore justice. Go there right now and uh, help Abraham, me, and all of us in this fight against anti-Semitism, which is uh, really worldly at this point. Help Abraham out. Terrific job, buddy. Thank you so much. We'll do it again very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. Uh, You got it, pal. You got it. You're the best. Abraham Hamra right there, once again, uprooted, underscore justice. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Biden speaks tonight from the Capitol after that disastrous day for Biden in Florida yesterday where... Couldn't say infrastructure. What else did uh, he do yesterday? Biden was, was just terrible. Infrastructure was one thing. What else did he do this uh, 
rambling idiot. He's, He's fallen sick. and he can't get back up. Yeah. He said his, his son died again in Iraq. God rest Paul's soul. That's a lie. Did you say the century thing? <laughs> well, that's right. You know what century it that was. Yeah. Is the best. Play that, in fact. It's uh, Joe Biden, number nine. He's going to speak tonight on democracy from the Capitol. So all you idiots like Joy Behar could be clapping like seals. This guy's a french fry short of a Happy Meal. Here he was yesterday in Florida. Once again, couldn't figure out what century it is. Well, if anybody think if we were doing it for the first time now in the 21st century, going into the 20th century, <laughs> from the 20th century going into the second quarter of the 21st century, aye, aye, aye. that yeah. we'd say 12 years is enough? Mm. 12 years enough in the, going into 2030, 40, 50? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Make sure you tune in tonight, folks. That's going to be great stuff. I'm going to the Knicks-Hawks game with uh, Ron Duguay and Sarah Palin, I think. I'm not, but I, I probably should. They will be here on Friday, it looks like. Uh, once again, if you missed it, Ron Duguay and Sarah Palin together on uh, Friday morning in the 9 o'clock hour. Only I can get that, but I know. It's ridiculous, though, I know. He's the president, folks. It's not a skit. It's not SNL. He's the president. You got people out there going, oh, you like Donald Trump. And this guy, really? This guy? Well, what's the difference about the centuries? I mean, he is the president. Crime is down in my two blocks. Nobody has ever rang my doorbell. I think things are good. Uh, That's what Joy Behar says. You may as well play this uh, nitwit, Joy Behar. Whoopi, I don't know, Whoopi. (laughs) Here's uh, number 17, and she says what Lou just kind of joked about, that thanks to Biden, you can't make this up. Crime is down, 17. I'd like to remind everybody that it was the Democrats, the not the Democrats, who stormed the government uh, that Democrats. day and tried to kill the I, vice I, president. They tried to kill the yeah. vice okay. president. And the Republicans now coming up to the uh, next election, moron. which is next week, where's by my, the way. Where's my tea? Um, all they do is talk about crime, crime, crime. Well, crime. I looked it up. Crime. She looked it up, Murders yeah. in major cities have fallen by 4% so far in 2022 <laughs> compared with the same period yeah. a year ago. So kidding? crime is not on the rise. It's right. actually going down under Joe Biden. <laughs> Biden. <laughs> I can't. Uh, this is an administration that is just—it's uh, crazy. Uh, I, 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 and people watch her and take her seriously. And Sonny Hostin and Whoopi Goldberg and—I mean, just the. Oh, fine. I'm not even going to say it. Stop. I need. Where are the lottery numbers? <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back and close shop on this Wednesday edition. Goodbye, crime. Right after this. <laughs> Very good, Lou. Sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. House Electric Blue as we wrap up 
Wednesday show. Been a great show again. Thank all the guests today. Were really terrific. Seven forty. Laura Curran. Check out her podcast. Cut to the chase. Does very well here. Eight oh five. Lee Zeldin. He'll be back one more time. Before Tuesday, probably Monday or maybe even Tuesday morning on the way to vote. We'll see. Lee was terrific. Peter King knocked it out of the park. Norm Coleman and Abraham Hamra. Don't forget, tomorrow's a Bill O'Reilly Thursday. And on Friday, I'll have Ron Duguay, former Ranger great, and his girlfriend Sarah Palin live in studio. So you got a couple of big days uh, here coming up. Great job by the cast today. Lou Rufino is uh, always amazing. Macedonia, Phil, I got to tell you, today... One of your best days ever. I can't quantify that in any real way, but something tells me that's the case. Listen, the stats do not lie, and there right. are no stats to prove it. Right. Justin Ellick, Matt Meany, Frankie Diaz, Noam Layden, Deb Valentine, the whole crew. I'll be back tomorrow morning with the, with the whole crew at 6 a.m. Until then, folks, from all of us to all of you, have a great day, and good night, Bernard. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.